0: Welcome to another edition of the Lost Art of Wrestlebox, the collaborative wrestling podcast that is getting you through the COVID-19 pandemic by reviewing some really darn good wrestling shows. And today, we are having a look at the first of two nights of New Japan Pro Wrestling's biggest show of the year, Wrestle Kingdom 14. I am your host, the stowaway from the RAD Live podcast, as well as the Phoenix Pod, Lewis Ogden. And with me... As always, is the man who is the reigning Lost Art of Wrestling WrestleMania predictions champion. He is the man who is known as Not Daz in the group chat, and he is the self-proclaimed master of boys. It's Mr. Anthony Dark. Hello,
1: hello, I love I love my introduction now because it sounds really serious and really professional at the start, and then we go to, directly from "I've won a really good competition" to "I'm like the master of boys," which could go either way. Hello, hello, everybody! I'm here. I'm Pierre.
0: <laughs> How are we, sir? Are we good? Oh, all oh, grand, all oh, grand, all oh, grand. Oh grand, as per always, right? Um, first off, I'd just like to issue a little bit of an apology um <clears throat> for the lateness of this episode. Uh mostly to Coxey, who is the pretty much editor editor in chief of this entire um wrestling podcast. Um the fault is entirely on me. Uh I did sort of like a full two, three-day stints of just sort of, like, hardcore watching this year's New Japan Cup as well as the Dominion show, and I was just sort of, like, completely burnt out. I needed, like, a week off just from watching wrestling, just like a week's break, and then um when it came to sort of, like, recording last week, I completely forgot about it, and there was no way I was going to watch a near four, four-and-a-half-hour show in sort of, like, the time frame. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, sort of, like, a couple of weeks Behind schedule, but we are here for uh, what is hopeful to be another exciting edition of uh, the Lost Art of WrestleBox. Um, so we are looking at the first night of uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14. Uh, they decided to split the quite highly regarded pay-per-view into two nights, given the uh, the stakes that are on the line in sort of like the main event of both shows, um, which is a trend that WWE themselves. Uh, with regards to this year's WrestleMania, uh, sort of follow suit with, um, and I think sort of like it's a, it's a very, very good idea. I feel like particularly for stakes as big as these are, you know, the the, um, the opportunity of like crowning the first ever double champion with sort of like the heavyweight and the Intercontinental titles, um, and also with WrestleMania as well because you know, we've uh. We've, we've known in the past to just sort of like sit through these near seven hour shows and it fucking kills us mm. pretty much every single year um so before we get into this show um do you have any sort of like previous experience with uh wrestle kingdom shows before we sat down to watch
1: this one i do watch wrestle kingdom a lot i think i've watched before this probably the last two two or three mm. i think i yeah if my memory serves me rightly which it usually doesn't <laughs> But no, um, it was it was mainly a that got me got me watching it because all of a sudden you hear about I heard about this lad that's having good matches in Japan. And you thought, go on, I'll, I'll give this a, I'll give this a chance. I'll give this a watch. And I I love the spectacle of of Wrestle Kingdom. I like it's over two nights. It feel it feels so much more special, and I think it gives the talent that New have. It gives the talent a, such a better chance to shine, and I, I and I really like that about the the promotion. You know, it give, yeah, the promotion as a whole, it gives um because you have the the young lions, for uh, in in this one in the pre-show you have the young lions from both the New Japan and the Los Angeles dojos, mm-hmm. and and they're put on this big stage, and it it, it for, for for them it's a big 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 exposure because it's wrestle kingdom mm. in israel and in my opinion wrestle kingdom it, it has been better than wrestlemania um for at least the past how many years <laughs> um, because let's let's be honest these t- two four-hour shows mm-hmm. on a weekend uh, you get better matches you'll get the chance to see more of your favorite wrestlers. You'll get a, a better mix. If you know what I mean, you get a better mix. You can spread the title matches out. So it's not just one title match and another, then another, then another, it becomes quite exhausting after a while. Um, but yeah, I think I love the two night concept. I love the two night concept. <clears throat> concept. And thankfully, you know, the, 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 other, the, the, the other promotion WWE, be, are finally taking it upon themselves to, do it over two nights not that like, not like they were forced to do it of course no <laughs> not forced to do it however um and hopefully that improves wrestlemania hopefully hmm. um because it certainly does wrestle kingdom everything for me
0: mhm well i think like it's particularly with like wrestle kingdom you're talking about sort of like the spectacle of the of the event i was trying to put sort of put in perspective why new japan pro wrestling is my favorite wrestling promotion And I'd say that it's the closest wrestling gets to being sort of like a serious combat sport, which, I mean, like, I'm not really a great big massive boxing fan, not a great big massive UFC fan, but it's sort of like a good sort of like mixture of not only sort of like professional wrestling, but also sort of like the legitimacy that combat sports has. Mm. And I think like Wrestle Kingdom itself is summed up Really, really darn well. I mean, as as you said, there's um there's more opportunity to see a wide range of com- um competitors, you know, uh from you know different styles, different wrestling um personas and like wrestling styles and all that. And also, it's just like I mean, like where they have Wrestle Kingdom, the Tokyo Dome, it's a fucking amazing venue. It's an amazing venue to have. Sort of like as your, you know, your, your most important show of the year, you're having it like take place in the Tokyo Dome, and it just it comes it adds it to. It feels the like spectacle. it feels like a big deal. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it it's that big fight. It's uh, it's oh, it's it's Mike Tyson versus like uh, Leonard's Lewis. It's it's that big big fight feel, and it's that build up that gets you sort of it gets you up for it. it makes you want to watch a four-hour show. Yeah. It makes you want to watch it and watch it, not watch a match, switch to something else for a bit, and then switch back on when you when there's the other matches on that you want to watch. Yeah. It keeps you in- entertained from minute one to the last minute. Mm-hmm. It's re- it really is. They, they they build it up well, and then they go out there and, and they just do their thing. And, it and it it's, simple, it it's
0: as simple as that. It helps as well that the wrestling's really down good as well.
1: Oh yeah, well, that's what I mean. You just go out there and do what they're trained to do, and mm-hmm. do what they're good at.
0: It's as yeah. simple as that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Wrestle Kingdom fourteen night one uh, took place on January the fourth, two thousand and twenty, from the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, an official attendance of just over forty thousand. Um, which, to be honest with you, the way the way it looks, I mean, sort of like you think of like forty thousand as sort of you know, being quite a big number, but you can think of just sort of like, you know, just look at like Arena shows of WrestleMania where there's sort of like sixty, seventy thousand, 70,000, but it looks a lot more than forty, I thought.
1: Yeah, it it reminds me of the... Oh, no, I can't remember the name, but I certainly remember the... Uh, it was WrestleMania 17 at Houston.
0: The Astrodome.
1: That's the diddly. Uh, mm. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Mm. But you, you say it's only 40,000, but... Usually, know, especially in this country. It, certain football stadiums, I'm going to take Anfield for an absolutely perfect example. It holds probably what forty thousand people to fifty thousand. fifty-four. Fifty-four. That's fifty-four, 54.
0: So thousand like, since the they extended oh, the stands.
1: But when you think about it, that place is absolutely bouncing and it's rocking. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case with this. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's the, it's the whole feel of the actual event,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and because all, all for every forty thousand people up for it, they're not five hundred miles away, yep, uh, five hundred feet in the air, <laughs> watching a little tiny ring, hoping to see a little bit of a firework that comes off Seth Rollins' entrance or God knows what else. They they're, they're literally there, mm. and it adds to the feel of it as well.
0: Yeah, I, I forgot to neglect as well. I thought that they could um. There's, like, a tagline from an old WWE pay-per-view, which is a Vengeance 2001, which was the night where they crowned the first ever Undisputed Champion. And I remember that show being sort of like the tagline of four men, three matches, two titles, one Undisputed Champion. Oh, my, head, did... hurt. my head hurts just fucking thinking about
1: it. <laughs> you, just, you just read that and then thought, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> maps,
0: maps. Well, well all, all I'm saying is just sort of like it's a quite... It, would fit this pay-per-view quite nicely given the um the concept of you know the double uh the you know the double champion concept which we will get into as we get into the later stages of the event um commentary tonight is a four-man booth in the english commentary uh it's kevin kelly gino gambino rocky romero and obviously translator chris charlton um i i always say that sort of like When New Japan were making an effort of just sort of, like, incorporating into sort of, like, a more um, catering to, like, English-speaking fans, they obviously had, like, the case of, like, Jim Ross in for a couple of shows or, you know, like, Matt Stryker in for a couple of shows and stuff like that. Um, But I think, like, I I always maintain that Kevin Kelly is one of, like, is is probably the best play-by-play commentator in wrestling today, I think.
1: Yeah, I
0: mean I, I, I mean, I think I have to agree with you on that one. Yeah. If you can see, if you consider where he came from, with just sort of like you know being a backstage interviewer during the Attitude era and just sort of like being called a hermaphrodite by the Rock, to where he is right now, it's it's quite a well, it's, it's quite an interesting journey. It's quite a satisfying journey as well because it's it's nice to see a guy who was in like one position twenty years ago being a really good position, you know. The... It's,
1: called, it's called getting yeah. it's called if you work hard for something obviously he really it's, it's really obviously he wanted to get in commentary, it's obvious he still wants to stay in the, the wrestling business despite all the, the 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 ridiculous crap that happened when he was a backstage interviewer. <laughs> He's he stuck at it and I believe if you do work hard and and you want something, you'll get it. He's got his reward. He's a big deal now, and he is a big
0: deal. Yep. Yeah. Um so there was one dark match that uh, took place before obviously the pre-show matches and the main show, um, aired, and it was an exhibition match for courtesy of stardom, which mm. is the all women, uh, promotion in Japan. Uh, so the tag team of Mayu Iwatani and <laughs> you can <laughs> did... do it. Come on. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to. So, uh, <laughs> It's, do you know what it is? It's sort of like, you know when you've had like, you know Japanese wrestlers that you've been watching for years and you can just sort of like, you know you know, whoever just sort of yeah. like, right off the song, no problem but then you have like, the, the people that you're not used to and you just sort of like, <laughs> so I'll try it again um, <laughs> so, um. yeah tag team match courtesy of the style promotion which saw uh, Mayu Iwatani and Ir- Irisa Yeah, uh, yeah. defeating the tag team of Gilia and uh Hanakamura. Um unfortunately probably the only noteworthy thing I could tell you about this, um, because I don't think it I'm pretty sure it wasn't recorded at all, so there's no way of telling if the match was good or not. Um but unfortunately the only noteworthy thing I can tell you is that uh Hanakamura is unfortunately the young girl who committed suicide earlier this year so uh you know
1: god rest her soul i mean it, yeah it, 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 horrible absolutely horrible thing to yeah. happen uh she was quite young as well um, she, was only,
0: she was only 22 it's
1: no age no age no. um no. will that will let a we'll fate and uh, and hopefully the the certainly the ladies of stardom have uh, rallied around her loved ones and each other and um Hopefully, go on to bigger and better things mm-hmm. from um, and making their making their mark on the, the new Japan scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so we should probably talk about the two pre-show matches uh, that took place before the, uh, the main card. Uh, did you watch these pre-show matches, Ant? I what I had a yeah, I did watch them because.
1: Um, I heard a lot of noise about a certain Carl Fredericks Mm -hmm. Uh, and just say, oh, you've got to watch this lad. He's he's, going to be good. He's going to be good. And you hear it so many times, don't you? That he's going to be good. He's going to be good. And
0: it it pits us out into nothing. However, we should probably make mention as well. um, He's involved in the first pre-show match. So it's an eight-man tag team match, Mm. um, which sees Toa Hanare and then LA Dojo uh, Young Boys Carl Fredericks, Clark Connors and Alex Coughlin and they are taking on the um on the opposite team two members from the New Japan Dojo Yuya Uemura and Yota Suji, and as well as them uh I'm pretty sure are the sort of like the the teachers for the New Japan Dojo yes yes, yes, yes. Uh, Togi Makabe and Tamaki Honma um And yeah, just sort of like they they mentioned on commentary, that's just sort of like an animosity between both dojos, and it's literally just a case of you know seeing which one, um, see which you know team can get the can get the sort of like bragging rights, really.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very simple. Um, rivalry thing going in, it's so simple and you just believe it from the off mm-hmm. um, and, and all these young lads trying to prove themselves, you mix all that in, you get actually quite a very decent little uh, little match here Yeah.
0: Um. so the, I may mention as well that both the pre-show matches they enter from sort of like the back of the arena, so it's like the, the, the Tokyo Dome is mainly sort of used for baseball mm-hmm. and so they for both the pre-show matches, they enter sort of like through the baseball dugouts, which I thought was a nice touch that they're not just coming out on sort of like the the main stage that like the main stage is held for the actual show itself.
1: Um, It's like it's like dangling that carrot in it yeah. It's dangling that carrot and say you've gotta earn that you mm-hmm. want it go and get it even yeah. even for that simple thing of coming down the main round, they hold that in such high regard and they make them earn it. I, yep. And you wonder why there's all these great wrestlers coming through the New Japan Dojos. Yep,
0: yep. Um, so early on, there's an incredibly stiff chop battle between Alex Coughlin and uh, Yuya Uemura, and I made, men- it's, well, I took note that sort of like by the end of the match, like Alex Coughlin not only is his chest like beat red, his hand has also gone red by like how fucking hard he's been chopping. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really, yeah. really quite vicious. Do you not
1: think a, a a chop battle is sort of like a a, a, a proving in New Japan especially because they do go, go I think they do go Gaga for a bit of a, a chop battle spot. Old Japan especially. Yeah. Yeah. And Definitely. I think it's that yeah. way I think if if you go, if you go to the lengths he did <laughs> and do that <laughs> that that's respect points earned with not just the crowd but certainly people backstage noticed that and they thought geez right okay if he's willing mm. to go that
0: far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, it, it seems to me that sort of like the Alex Coughlin was just sort of like the standout, um, the standout from this match. I felt mm. um, because he like interrupts like macabi's ten point spot and actually gets like a little bit of heat from the crowd from it, which is you know un- unless you sort of like you Jay White, you're sort of like taking a bit. Oh, okay, he's actually yeah. getting heat from somewhere. Okay, um, and there's a great little spot as well. Uh, which involves Coughlin. Um, Yota Suji has his uh, Boston Crab locked in onto a Hanare, and Coughlin just like delivers more vicious chops to Suji, and he just still has the um, Boston Crab locked in during it. I thought that was a nice little touch, like between the the two powerhouses um, on the respective teams.
1: Yeah, uh. I, it's it's just great when you mix things up like that, and it it, it looks it looks right, it look it looked good. Mm-hmm. But I say, I really like these these young lads coming through, and it's good to see him um getting that exposure and getting themselves on a um fair enough it's the pre-show and you, you know you don't, you know won't shake a fist at it but the the they're, they're on in that ring, they're in that arena, the wrestling. Yeah. And it's a damn sight further than most other wrestlers have got. <laughs> um well, it's good probably... to see them on there doing it.
0: Yeah, well we've always mentioned about sort of like the young line system of like the case of it being you get the basics down to a T. And, you know, it's pretty much like all the young lines that are featured here, just but have the basics da- down to a T. And, you know, it's literally just a case of, well, you know, if the, they look this promising with just sort of like the basics when they go to kick on their career in, say, like a year, two years' time, you know, the world's the royster, really. Mm. Mm. Um, So there is a really nice roundhouse kick to the face from Toa Hanari and Yota Suji. And it's followed up by a, a clothesline that Suji does a great big massive rikishi flip bump for. Um, and then there's a Toe bottom uh, from Toe Hanare. And that leads to a victory for the American lads in 7 minutes 36. Um, it was pretty much like a basic match. Uh, but it was really quite intense and vicious at times. So just I, I really quite enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it was nothing out of the ordinary in terms of uh, what you'd expect beforehand, uh, especially when you saw the card and these guys on it. Um, In terms of the intensity, I think that was brought on by the fact that it is the New Japan and the LA Dojos. um, And and having that to start off with and having that as an underlying um, sort of storyline, if you will, to this match um, made it intense and you sort of felt that the guys on there wanted to prove. I really felt that there was certain, especially Alex Coughlin and and the likes, of Carl Frederick, um, wanted to prove themselves.
0: Mm.
1: And wanted to, and they didn't just take it for granted that they were on a big show. And they, they They weren't starstruck at all. They, they were there, and they thought, right, let's get our head down. This is just a start. This is just a start, and it is just the start for these lads. It is just the start. Mm. Hmm. And and it showed that they wanted it more. Yeah. If you know what I mean. It showed that they wanted more. It shows that one day I'm going to get on that main card, even if I've chopped myself bloody
0: and mm. made my hand <laughs> yeah. Well, this it, like I, I think it's Chris Charlton who's like the historian, like on the English commentary team. They always make um mention that the first like young lion to compete at the Tokyo Dome at the beginning of the decade. Of, of the beginning of the last decade gone gone before was uh featured in the main event of tonight and that being Kazuchika Okada and I seem to remember the I can't remember if if it was a picture that I shared in our little group chat it's like um Jushin like uh somebody else I can't really remember who it is and then literally Okada is a young line and it's just sort of like it's it's weird seeing him as a young lion there and seeing where he is at the beginning of this decade and just sort I of believe, like seeing how far he's come. I believe
1: because I, I did do a bit of digging on this because they, men- they have mentioned that it was Wrestle Kingdom 4, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Yeah, that he did. Uh, he, he was a young lion on the uh, the thing, so that's a nice little turnaround, and especially if you if you're hearing that in 10 years' time, we could be talking about these guys mm-hmm. in the main event. These guys are going for the IWGP heavyweight title. These guys fighting, you know, for maybe the, the Intercontinental title. Who, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe short shorter five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, so the second pre-show match is Hiroshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima taking on the team of Yuji Nagata and Manabu Nakanishi. Um, it's the Big story, well, the big thing with this match for me was Manabu Nakanishi just literally could hardly fucking move at all. Yeah. I mean, like, th- this is a guy who's like a former, I can't remember if he's a former two-time or three-time uh, IWGP ch- world champion, but he suffered like a spinal injury in like 2011, and rather than just sort of like retire, he just sort of like continued wrestling, and it fucking showed it really, I mean, it really did show. Like, I mean, probably in matches previously, it's probably showed, but it definitely showed here. Yeah,
1: Tenzin and Nakonishi. Yes, they slow. But I think this was a match where it was like, yes, they slowed old, but who cares? It was simply there, I think, to entertain. I think, I think, if people went in going uh, watching this match, went in there expecting a five-star <laughs> match, um, I think they were watching the wrong match. Yeah, uh, I well, think obviously Kojima and Nagata have still
0: got it. They've still got something. You know. They've yeah. still got something to. I, don't, I mean, like Yuji Nagata. I mean, like I think the the only time like in the past year that I've really been disappointed with Yuji Nagata was when him and Kojima were um in the Crockett Cup, the show that we reviewed previously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go and check that out if you haven't already. Um, but like even this year, like the New Japan Cup this year, it was you know all empty arena shows bar the finals um and yuji nagata had this fucking great war with minora suzuki and it's just like it, it it showed her just sort of like see like yuji nagata even like 52 53 that's what he has to offer i mean you could say the same thing about minora suzuki but minora suzuki's been doing that for years and
1: minora suzuki's been 53 for at least 30 years now <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> i think he has very true um the only real note I had have I had of this before the uh before the finish was Kojima and Tenzan they hit a 3D on a na- on a Nakanishi, which is just weird to see. Is, <laughs> I mean, yeah. when it's not the, when it's not the Dudleys doing it. It's just weird for me to see like oh they hit a 3D there. Okay.
1: I don't think anyone else should do that.
0: No. <laughs> you know? no there's a reason for yeah. it. It just it just feels wrong. It feels really really wrong. Yeah. Um. So the finish came when uh, Kojima hit an incredibly weak-looking clothesline on Nakanishi uh, to get the win for himself and Tanzan in 5 minutes 47. Uh, you won't be surprised to hear that uh, this was Nakanishi's final match in the Tokyo Dome. Um, he did sort of like bits on sort of like undercards for a couple of shows after this, and then he had like a retirement. His it's official retirement was on February the 22nd, so I mean, it was literally just a case of, you know, he was probably there just to have that one last match before, we, uh, before he went out.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, these these four guys, are they all, I believe, they're all like former IWGP heavyweight champions? If, yeah, all four um, of them. All four of them. Um, they, uh, they have solid chemistry with each other. They didn't really botch anything. No. Uh, the, yesterday was slow and it was sluggish. And, you know, in terms of wrestling quality, it wasn't the best. But uh, it's like I said before, if you went into this match expecting a five-star extravaganza, you were watching the wrong game. Um. So and I think by that token, it was definitely better than the DX versus Brothers of Destruction from Crown Jewel into it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've ever watched it. <laughs> I don't really want to watch it. To I did. I did. Well, <laughs> what were you expecting? <laughs> Right so the um the official the official opening match for the show is the first of uh two final matches for the legend that is Jushin Thunderliger. Oh excuse me. And it's a, an eight man tag featuring um partners and famous rivals uh, from Jushin Liger's career. So uh, obviously on one team we've got Jushin Thunderliger, Tatsumi Fujinami, who I was quite surprised to see in the ring at 60, 65, 66 years old. Yeah, I
1: think the youngest
0: person in this match is, uh, is it Taguchi, who was who's 40? <laughs> yeah, Taguchi <laughs> was 41, I believe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's uh, one team, Jushin Funda Tatsumi Fujinami, The Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask. And then on <laughs> the other team is Naoki Sano, Shinjiro Itani, uh, Tatsuhito Takawa, it? Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Right and uh, the final man on the opposing team is obviously Ryusuke Toguchi. Um I may mention that the introductions and the entrances probably are probably going to go as long as the match. Um <laughs> Nayoki, oh, not Nayoki. Shinjiro Atani, um he's doing sort of like his Zack Ryder boots in the corner, which is, you know, the, the, probably the most unflattering thing that I could say about sort of like boots in the corner. Um but you know, it, it, if if you're a regular WWE watch, you'll probably know what I mean. Um, so when he's doing these running boots in the corner, this the second time he does it, he sort of like not only catches um, I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Tiger Mask. Um, but like on the second one, like Great Sasuke is just sort of like walking past, and he actually catches him, and he <laughs> literally Sasuke just sells it like death.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I get the impression that these guys were out. It is, again, it was one of the Liger's last matches. Yeah. The uh, the rest of these guys were out to put on a show for that man, and it really showed. It really, is it Nike Sano? It, it, <laughs> I raised my eyebrows and thought, fuck me! It, it, like a tope suicida? To the yeah. outside? I was like, Ha oh, God, no! <laughs> <laughs> don't do, no, don't do that! No! <laughs> He yeah, could, like, see the wheels like the cogs turning in his brain. Goes, no, don't do that. It's like watching Ricky Morton do a pissing Canadian destroyer. He's like, No, don't do that. Please don't do that. No, no, <laughs> well, not, <laughs> you're gonna hate your cell phone,
0: man. Please don't. <laughs> not only did Sano do sort of like a dive through the ropes, he also delivered like a superplex to great Sasuke. I was like, Fucking hell, man, calm it down. Um, like,
1: again, but that's what I get. These, these guys went all, all out for you. It shows what uh, an impact you should from the is has had yes. on it. not just these guys but uh, the, the wrestling community as a whole that these legends who could have died <laughs> doing some of these things, uh, did it for him they didn't do it for themselves they didn't yeah. do it to put some young line over they didn't do it for the sake of putting on a five-star match or, or do a spot or whatever they mm. did it because it is for, for Liger, they did it for Liger, and it, that that comes across big time.
0: Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the, the last little, um, the last little big big move uh, that I saw before the finish um, was Tiger Mask doing a great big massive crossbody off the top to the floor onto uh, Shinjiro Otani, which was quite nice. Um, and then the finish uh, after t- finished uh, up with Liger and Taguchi in the ring. They traded a couple of roll ups between one another. Um, Toguchi hit the Bomaye, which is literally just sort of like Shinsuke Nakamura's Bomaye, but using his funky weapon aka his backside and uh, then finishes off Liger with what is essentially the Glam Slam um, you know, to Beth Phoenix's old finishing manoeuvre Oh yeah And well, the impl-
1: um, Is it is Awesome Kong's It's the Implant Buster?
0: Yeah, Awesome Kong's is the Implant Buster <laughs> the, 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 the names of some women's memes um, so yeah, uh, Taguchi Taguchi pins Liger after hitting the Glam Slam in 852. Um, I I mean I I know I know what comes like with Liger's second match. Um, so I I I don't know I I I I realize that it, it in hindsight it doesn't really matter. But I would have liked to have seen like Liger at the least pick up the win in this one. I mean like if you wanted to. If you wanted to, you know, do the job on the way out, which spoiler alert he does on the second show, I'd understand that because, like, given who he's against, it's understandable. But yeah, I, I, I felt it would have been sort of like a feel good moment for him to at least pick up a win, like tonight, I would have said. But you know, bar that, bar that, it it was it was just like. You know, something that you weren't really going to take seriously, and just I I I had a I had quite a bit of fun watching it.
1: Yeah, I I mean, yeah, but as I remember rightly, Liger got pinned. Um, I I get where you're coming from, and I I I didn't see it like seeing like a like that, especially considering um. Especially considering this is his second-to-last match, um, in in his life. Um, I understand though why, it, if you look at, it's like the. I'm going to use the Undertaker uh, as this. Um, everyone just assumed he was going to win at WrestleMania every single year, including that bloke who bet like 13 grand on him and lost. <laughs> Really, that's <laughs> he, the thing. <laughs> he, no, this bloke genuinely. Sorry to go off topic, but this bloke bet um, thirteen grand on uh, Undertaker to beat Brock Lesnar. It would have returned something like thirteen thousand and five hundred quid. <laughs> he lost the fucking lot. Okay. And, uh, but uh, uh, people are just going to assume that because it's the last match, or it's the or whatever, hmm. that they're going to win. Yeah. Um, I don't see the harm in going against the grain. I have the issue with him being pinned. Yeah. But it, it is it, what it is. It, like, Liger's Liger, and I don't think uh, I think Liger would have probably be the one who to to put that forward to, yeah. to say uh, pin me, you know, and yeah, do probably. that. And I think he was the person to do that. Um. So that way, I'm sort of not mad at it, considering what happens after. Mm. Hmm. Um. But, yeah, this was just like a Liger farewell uh, with his with his best mates. <laughs> yeah. with his best mates. And it is what it is. You know, yeah, I, was... I enjoyed it because I got that nostalgic feeling from all these guys and um, putting on a show for Liger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was just a feel-good match. It was a very feel-good match. Very feel-good.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, we should probably mention as well that sort of like post-match, they sort of like do great big massive, you know, respect, hugs all around, bowing, handshakes, and then um Sasuke and Tiger Ma- Tiger Mask with some difficulty sort of like hoist Liger up on the shoulders. Just sort of like, you know, wave at the crowd, which is a nice little moment to see. Mm. Was a nice little moment to yeah. see. Um so match number two is another eight man tag, uh, pitting Suzuki Goon against Losingobinablisteha Palm on the Suzuki uh, on the Suzuki Goon team. We have El Desperado, Tai Chi, Minoru Suzuki, and the British Heavyweight Champion Zack Sabre Jr. And on the Los Ingobernables team, we have Bushi, Evil, Shingo Takagi, and Sanada. So this is a um, this eight-man tag is just to basically set up the uh, sanada Zack Sabre Jr. match um, for the British Heavyweight Title that will be taking place on night two. Um, obviously this being a suzuki goon match it starts with suzuki goon pearl harboring lij and if um that's not a reference to the actual pearl harbor it's a i was gonna say i do love i do love the way you've used it though (laughs) i do like it's a it's a phrase coined by gorilla monsoon in like very early hulkamania era wwe um you just sort of like you know uh when somebody sort of, like, does, like, a sneak attack to, like, the start of the match, he'd just say, oh, he pearl hargered him. So, you know, <laughs> that is an actual thing. Um, the, the, the... This match, they seem to sort of, like, you know, split off into... Well, there was three main battles, really. There was Evil and Minoru Suzuki. Obviously, Sonada and Zack Sabre, who got in for just, like, a tiny little bit. Um, but the best thing for me was the shingo Chi encounter, now, I've made mention, I swear on this podcast, that I'm not the biggest fan of Tai Chi. I think, like, 80% of the time he phones in. But the 20% of the time where he does actually, you know, give a shit and actually ups his game uh, against the likes of not only Ishii, but obviously here with Shingo Takagi. Um, I had in my notes that Shingo comes in and does what Shingo does best, which is fucking lamp the shit out of Tai Chi. And it was fucking great because I swear that this is the like it I think he featured um during the on the rumble on the G one Supercar Pre Show. Um but this is like the first proper look that we've had at Shingo Takaki Um he's like at, currently at the moment he's my favourite thing in New Japan pro wrestling. I think he's fucking awesome.
1: Now um I think this was more of a, a setup match. For the the next night. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I feel I feel um, that that was always in the back of my mind. I'm not saying this was a bad match or really, anything, but that was always in the back of my mind that this match was there simply to set up that.
0: Yeah.
1: However, um, <laughs> these are, these are great wrestlers. Uh, you put them in the you put them in a the ring. They, they they're telling a story. They're going to make things happen. They make you interested. Um. I I, I like Suzuki Gun. I like all them guys. Um, Los Ingoberdes, um, again, it, it speaks for themselves. It really does speak for themselves. Um, obviously, I'm a massive fan of Zach Sabre Jr. I think he's the only wrestler who I don't think has a per se finishing move. Mm. He just he'll just wrench your fecking arms and legs to do whatever, and then <laughs> and, yeah, and, and put put them in angles. They're not supposed to be at. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what he does. Yeah. And they always look bloody horrible. Yeah, I think I, I, I genuinely remember screaming in the front room. Uh, well, I think um, when was it? Was it at Royal Quest? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, <laughs> and I remember screaming in the front room, and my wife comes running and goes, "What's happened?" I went, "Tag Savage Junior's done a thing." <laughs> um, they, they do look awful. I think that's uh, again the believable um, thing that comes from New Japan. Um yeah, it's like Virginia Scenario, they had a really good teaser sequence. Um but they they do in this match I get the feeling they do look ready to absolutely smash it other to absolute death. Mm-hmm and it uh, and by the end it it was really good because you got a, a really good match here. Yeah. And it made you really hyped up for them the match the following night. Mm. Which is I think again that's the end point. what well, this match was for. Yep, but I like all these guys. I don't. I don't think there's any, including Tagachi. <laughs> Taguchi. <laughs> Taguchi. Um. Yeah, I think Again, they, they all did the thing. It, mm. It's so, it's so easy to say though. Um. All these guys go out, do your thing, go. Yeah. But the the their natural way of wrestling is so good that they tell a story, that (laughs) they perform really good moves, they don't do dives for the sake of doing dives, they don't start talking randomly, so there's no rest holds for adverts all the time. It's wrestling at its purest storytelling form, and so much so that you enjoy this match, but you're wary of another one, and you're hyped up for that one. I think that's what's done really well here.
0: That's that's sort of like what I quite like about these sort of like multi mans that build to like a big singles match like whether, whether it be sort of like the next night or the night after, which is a sort of like a new japan trait really of just sort of like you know teasing you just sort of like this the taster what's to come, but also you know look at these like other great big massive cogs in the in in the background um there's a really funny moment on commentary um when. Tai Chi does like, you know, takes off his like Cesaro like stripper pants and sort of like uh, Chris Charlton's just going, Oh, here it comes, the most electrifying move in professional wrestling today. Here they are, the pants are off. And then there's sort of like a little bit of a pause, and Gino Gambino goes, Put your put your pants back on, Chris. And Chris <laughs> and Chris Charlton's like, What, my actual pants? And just sort of like and Kevin Kelly just immediately cuts off It's like, Okay, now we're moving on, moving on. <laughs> Um, so the finish it's of a phrase, it is it's a phrase you don't want to hear in wrestling the pants are off yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> certainly if, just... not, if, if you're wrestling you don't want to hear the pants
0: are off <laughs> you, you especially don't want to hear it from your colleague that you literally sat next to either
1: I, I don't think you want to hear it full stop I, I can't think of a situation where you want to hear it the pants are off, I mean at a swimming pool obviously it's the worst case scenario the pants <laughs> are off uh, I, I can't think of a, a place where you can say that and it sounded like being good for the person whose pants are off <laughs>
0: Uh, no i can't either another Um, podcast another podcast for another time time.
1: in fact Um, write in with your suggestions away it's a good time to say that (laughs) if that's not going to get us up the charts i don't know what will (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry we're paying too much attention to demographics oh god wonder who we sound like now right go on
0: (laughs) (laughs) mount wrong with a bit of blue that wrong with
1: a bit of blue. He's he's blue, Alan. He's blue. He's blue. <laughs> Bring him in. Um, he's blue. See, when I was growing up, Blue Ray was that bloke that sold dodgy DVDs in a, a van in in like Azur or something. <laughs> That's what <I, laughs> Blue Ray was. Where's your dad gone? He's gone to see Blue Ray.
0: Anyway, the finish of this match, uh to see Zack Saber Jr. um get the verbal submission with Anoma Plata, which just basically yeah, uh putting Bushi's arms in positions that they shouldn't go. Uh and gets the verbal submission in eight minutes thirty nine. As I said, this is like really darn good and it sets up a match for the uh the forthcoming night. So aces.
1: I see if I put myself in Zach Sabre Junior's opponent's position? If he comes up to me and says, oh, "I'm going over," I say, "Oh, that's not fair. That's fine. Okay, whatever." Uh, I said, why well, do you want to finish the match bit? I said, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to bend your arms backwards." Where he so "No, I'm going to pull. I'm going to pull your soul shoulder I'm say, out of your pocket I'm, I'm going to say no to that, Zach. <laughs> Can you think of something else, please? Can we have <laughs> not have like a roll-up or something? Not be like a fucking torture act. <laughs> fine." fire! <laughs> I was like, no, ca- let's he's capa- do something else.
0: He is capable of doing that, because I have seen like previous matches between Sonata and Zack Sabre where that has actually been the finish. Put me in a sharpshooter or something, please.
1: Put me in a sharpshooter. A sharpsuit is fine. Lying table, bottom cab, whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we should move on to match number three. It's another eight-man tag. Uh, again, setting up another title match for night two. It's Chaos versus the Bullet Club. So uh, the Chaos team consisting of Haruki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Toriyano, Yano, and the Bullet Club team uh, represented by Kenta, the new Never Openweight champion, Bad Luck Farley, Yudra Takahashi, and Chase Owens. Um, do you remember the last podcast when I was talking about uh, the Bullet Club bunny, Peter? Hey, yeah. Case in point.
1: <laughs> Got to say... I, I, Takahashi is probably the worst member of Bullet Club. <laughs> all due respect. All due respect. If it weren't for that woman who's dancing on the side, and I can't remember her name now, but it's... Peter. Yeah, that's the diddly. <laughs> if it weren't for her, let's be honest, it would have so many hell out of your Yeah.
0: The only reason you come out is so she can come out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Um, can I just say, I... Fucking like the, the best thing about this match was Toriano. He was fucking on fire because
1: <laughs> literally a I, do of, I, yeah, I do love Yano.
0: yeah. Yano is so fucking good. Like y- you know, I'd, we've we've said in the past just sort of like you know the um you know like stodgy old timers saying you know funny don't make money bullshit because you know Toriano is fucking funny and it does make money in my opinion. Um, because, like, literally the match is about to start and, like, neither team has decided who's going to start off the match and Yano's just sort of, like, demanding the start he's like, okay, 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 everyone out, everyone out I want to start, I want to start and literally he turns around and sees that, like, Bad Luck is starting for the Bullet Club and he just fucking screams (laughs) just like (coughs) (laughs) it was fucking great and then there's another bit later on where I think Farley's beaten down. I think it's he. I think he's beaten down Ishi, and like he does, like a, like Yano comes up behind him and slaps him like full force on the back of the head, like so much so that you see the sweat fucking fly off of Farley's head, and Farley just turns around and is like running at him, going to kill, going to kill him. Yano pulls down the top rope as it's just sort of like low bridging, but Farley stops short, but Yano just like continues to hold on to the top rope, almost as if he's just sort of like. If I, keep that, if, it, if I keep holding this position, maybe he'll run again, and I'll be able to low bridge him, and he just gets subsequently killed.
1: Was it Vladimir Koslov that did that? He just charged into the ropes, and he just got just, the back of his neck, hit the top rope. Oh, and then he just sort of like threw him. It was like watching a hamster trying to get out of its cage. It was, <laughs> it, it was just brilliant to watch. Um, the the if he matched, but... Is she, like, vertical suplex to 300
0: and God knows how many pounds by Farley. Like, Like 350 and the thing is, as well, like, I I had it in my notes it's just sort of, like, it's not one of those sort of, like, snap, those suplexes you could pass off as a snap suplex. He fucking... He fucking powers this fucking guy up. He 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 fucking wrenches him up. He did it. (laughs) Yeah, he just sort of, like me it's like ishi you're an absolute fucking beast you know as if that isn't like clear enough to see um so yeah there is a um ending sequence obviously uh goto and kenta are able to get in for their sort of like teasing a little bit and they have like a really good sort of like hard hitting back and forth um and then it just sort of like ends up with goto in the ring with both um yujiro and kenta he takes out Kento with a discus clothesline and then um, hits a Yushiguroshi and a GTR on Yudro, And uh, Goto picks up the win for the Chaos team in 8 minutes 17. Um, again, this is another good little teaser of uh, what was to come the night before. And, you know, the involvements of Ishii and Yano sort of like made this, made this uh, subsequently better than it probably was going to be.
1: Yeah, I think the the comedy exploits of y- of Yano, uh, followed by the, that Ishii suplex on Farley, um, and I think that was it. <laughs> really, it, it was all right, but again, it was one of those matches that was there to set up another one. Um, I think that was the main um it's main aim of this main one. aim of this of this one, yeah. Um. However, I uh, I like seeing Kenta. Kenta's awesome. End of. Souza Ishii, Ishii, Souziana, they're all fucking awesome. Apart from takaha and Chase Chase Owens, right? Um, I, 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 he's very. You know that picture of the AFC Roma team and Ashley Coles just like stood at the side leaning in. Mm. I think that's what Chase Owens is. <laughs> yeah. is it... I get I get that feeling. is like hello. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) like when they all have a meeting, he's like the last to turn up, but they've started anyway. He's one of them. I get the feeling that he's that's that's him. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. he's very out of place. It has to be said.
1: Yeah, it it does feel like oh, he it feels like he's not a member of Bullet Club, but he teams with him.
0: Yeah, yeah, as if he's sort of like an affiliate.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't get the feeling he's
0: a fully uh, full blown member of the uh, the biz Cliz. Mm. Um. probably mentioned as well um like during bullet club's entrance they had a couple of um i think it's the japanese rugby team come out with them in sort of like you know uh bullet club like uh tracksuit pants and stuff like that and they they are sat at ringside for pretty much the the entire show and um after uh chaos get the victory sort of gina gambino is just sort of like you know ribbing them a little bit just sort of like going, oh, God, you know, these, these rugby players came out to ringside and they didn't do anything. And Rocky Romero just sort of like very subtly owns him. He's just sort of like, yeah, they're about as effective in Bullet Club as you are. Oh, it's just, it's just sort of oh, like, oh, no, they've, they've contributed as much as you have to Bullet Club Gino. You know, absolutely nothing. Well. <laughs> Which, to be fair like I'm pretty sure the only involvement that Gino Gambino has had in Bullet Club has been like a couple of matches on the Australia Tour, and bar that he's done fucking nothing so I think this is just a way of sort of like you know getting them getting him onto the commentary team you know Kevin Kelly's done wonders with sort of like you know um getting Rocky Romero over as a credible you know commentator maybe he'll be able to do the same with uh, Gino Gambino because he does he offers fucking nothing in the ring for Bullet Club.
1: But what's Takahashi going to end up doing then?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, but come on. Come <laughs> on, lad. Hey, mate, Takahashi's 2020 went from strength to strength because he he went into a fucking singles feud with Okada. <laughs> Somehow. Thank fuck for the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is after the pandemic,
1: mate. Oh, for fuck's sake. This is <laughs> after the pandemic. Why? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? If it was that easy to get an attractive girl over in the wrestling business, I'd have done that fucking years ago. <laughs> Fuck me! It's that easy, folks. It's that easy. Just hire some <laughs> bint and off you go. <laughs> Let's think about it. Well, Triple H, my Stephanie. There you go. That's another perfect example of that. Um, Undertaker with Michelle McCool. Ugh, iffy. Um, who else? John Cena's got with everyone. Mike Bennett not work for you yet pal but it will um, <laughs> Will it? <laughs> it's, it's like a little seedling that you've got to give it time to, to blossom um, however Maria Canellis, please stop talking <laughs> if, you, if you're going to start doing, doing that little cutesy voice that you used to do not this like Karen voice soccer mum that you've got going on at the minute uh, that really creeps me out um, a- anyone else again the uh, send some postcards in do we have a, do we have a po box I <laughs> think we should get one
0: we don't have a po box but you know I'd, I'd, I wouldn't be adverse sort of like giving any addresses away on the air because anybody could send anything oh, I'm not giving any of these people who
1: listen my address god god good god I'll just get abuse <laughs> and and, ri- and rightly sell so, the crap I come out with
0: <laughs> you get enough abuse on social media probably It's cause I'm bold, bold in it <laughs> Uh, It's a a contributing
1: factor. (laughs) But back when I had hair, that was the problem. Now I have no (laughs) hair. It's still a pissy problem. Oh, fire. I can't do anything right, people. Uh, I know I take the piss out of that situation. But Mm. let's be honest. That's the only reason he's in the position he is. Because he has a hot babe next to him.
0: Yeah. Well... You get no <laughs> argument from me mate you get no argument from me anyway uh, we'll move on to match number fours for the IWGP Tag Team Championships, the Champions the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangle Loa and they are taking on the winners of the World Tag League, Juice Robinson and David Finley, aptly named Finjuice which is such a shit name for a tag team I I, I looked at this name before
1: you guys just sat at the bat for about 10 minutes.
0: <laughs> you were given five you were given 5 minutes just New Japan officials were like right we're going to put you two together and you're going to be winning the New Japan uh, tag league uh, but we want you to come up with a, a tag team name for yourselves because you know you're going to be you're going to be on the you're going to be in the championship match uh, at the Tokyo Dome so you know you've got 5 minutes of 5 minutes I'll come back to you and this is what they came up with or maybe they didn't maybe this was just sort of like frost upon them because like nothing they could come up with was any good you sounds absolutely bloody awful, really. Yeah.
1: It sounds it like it sounds like a crap lilt, <laughs> doesn't it? It sounds like a really shit lilt. It sounds like a, it sounds like a um,
0: home bargains lilt.
1: Home bargains lilt. <laughs> That's what you are, Juice Robinson and David Finley. Home bargains lilt, despite winning.
0: But, <laughs> yeah. um, I'd make mention before we get into the match itself. Um, Jado's... Jado, obviously the brother of Gedo, uh, who's the manager of Switchblade Jay White, he accompanies Tamatonga and Tangaloa and is just basically, you know, the outside interference spot, as is with all pretty much all Bullet Club matches. Um, Just something that was made mention on the like uh, Dominion Dominion show of uh, Brian Brian Alvarez and Vincent Verhei's show, like Brian Alvarez compared Jado to sort of like. If C3PO Dret was a member of the Bullet Club, and I couldn't fucking, you know, I can't get it out of my mind now because it's literally just a case of like every time I see him walk, he walks like C3PO. He's that fucking, you know, I don't know whether he's like that, that much beat up or, you know, whether it's sort of like he's got arthrit- arthritic knees or I, I, I don't know what it is, but like literally every time I see Jado, I just literally think of him as sort of like C3PO behind a bandana. It, it, it's it, yeah, it just he cannot walk to save his life. Like literally all he's got all he's got is a kendo stick shot, but like that's probably why he's in the position he is, because that's all he can do.
1: <laughs> it's like you say I don't think Arthur Writers would see three pos problem in the in the end of it, the fact that he's made out of some godforsaken metal. <laughs> but uh it, I, I completely I don't think because the the Gorillas of Destiny are built up as this really, really, really good tag team. Don't get me wrong, they are. Um, hmm. Do they need
0: people out? I think every time they have someone out there with them, it really devalues them. Well, we get onto well when we get onto the Intercontinental Title match, I'll have something to say about sort of like JY, and then not only that, sort of like where Bullet Club goes further into 2020, and it's just like. It's not only devaluing, but it sort of takes away from the fact, it takes away what makes New Japan New Japan. And it just sort of like, you know, bundles it in with sort of like every other, you know, West Coast promotion that has like constant interference spots. Like I think it's, Bullet Club for me, are very dangerously going down the road that WCW in 2000 went of just sort of like multiple interference spots, multiple run-ins, and it gets very boring very quickly.
1: Yeah. I don't think... You You look at the big players in the Bullet Club. It is the likes of Jay White. It is the likes of G.O.D. Them, them are your main guys. And it's, I'd, I'd say Jay White, Kenta, and Skrills are definitely... Kent, yeah, and Kenta as well. Them are your main guys. Yeah. If they are involved in matches, they, they shouldn't have anyone with them. Because yeah. they're a big fucking deal, mm-hmm. and I think that you, you devalue them and you devalue Bullet Club every time you get this pack mental this gang mentality with them. Yeah, that they need someone that they need to cheat to win. Mm-hmm. Kenta doesn't need to cheat to win. Guerrillas of Destiny don't need, need to cheat to win. Jay White's obviously playing the big heel. And I think I think that goes with his character at the minute, so I, I don't don't particularly mind that. But with the rest, I I don't think it needs it. And uh, like you said. I've Fully agree with you. The way Bullet Club is going, it's going down the the bloody <laughs> the bloody proverbial shitter, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's 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 not good no. in terms of um have it having them as a big deal, and they've not been a big deal since the Young Bucks. I don't feel they've been a big deal since well, not, uh, not, the Young Bucks. Since,
0: yeah, not since Omega and the Young Bucks, I'd say. Which yeah, is probably Adam
1: Cole, I would say,
0: to some extent.
1: I think that's the sort of the I think that was the moment it started going a bit downhill, and that the writing was on the wall, so to speak.
0: Well, it's it's, I, it's it's interesting that you say that because um Rocky uh, Rocky Romero he sort of like makes mention of uh, Tama Tonga not wanting to be included in the in this uh, previous G1 tournament, so he could just focus on being in the tag title, just like focus on the tag titles. Um, that's the storyline reason that they go with, but I know the the simple reason for it, and it was literally because like, um, it's, it's obviously around this sort of like time time frame that sort of like you know Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, Hangman Page, uh, Cody, basically sort of like the main circle of what is currently in AEW at the moment when they were just sort of like you know had their little in house feud, and then they seem to sort of like patch things up a little bit and then there was sort of like a implosion which is sort of like the Gorillas of destiny and haku just sort of like it's at- attacking like pretty much every single member of the bullet club just like decimating them mm-hmm. and then they tried to sort of like put tamatonga as just sort of like the like next breakout single star and they specifically did it by yeah. putting him in the g1 tournament and it fell so fucking flat that they that's probably why they sort of like went the route of of Jay White and just sort of like, you know, getting certain members, certain Bullet Club members to sort of like join this like new heel Bullet Club faction.
1: And the crowd wasn't hot for them this match. No. I, don't, I don't think the crowd was particularly... The, the Juice Robinson was over to hell by the way. Yeah. Um, over to hell. I mean, uh, even even his tag partner, David Finley, didn't really get much. About it. No. They were dead for sort of uh, no. uh, for... Both, both Gorillas and God, both of them, it was mental, and it was yeah. surprising to me because they're a, they're a a main part of New Japan. I feel I think they're a very big part of what their their tag division, uh, and to have them have them have that reaction was really telling of how that that tag division in New Japan is going was going. Um, it's. <laughs> to have something like the Guerrillas of Destiny have almost no reaction was eerie for me,
0: for, for me especially. It's because, really, that, like, Guerrillas of Destiny pretty much took over the mantle that Gallows and Anderson had when they were in New Japan of just literally being sort of like, they are the tag team division. And, like, maybe you'll get sort of like a makeshift tag team. Like, I seem to remember the... I can't remember whether it's Wrestle Kingdom 9 or Wrestle Kingdom 10 it was like a makeshift um tag team of Hariki Goto and Katsuyori Shibata and they won the world tag league and then they went on and won the tag team titles and you were just thinking okay this is something like a little bit different but then they only had like a short reign because they dropped the belts immediately back to Gallows and Anderson and then it just sort of like so there is the, the sort of like a a blueprint for sort of like what the um what the new Japan tag tag scene is I mean we should probably make probably make mention before we sort of like get into the 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 onus of it of just sort of like just when there seems to be sort of like a different sort of you know road that they seem to be going with the tag team tag team division, they always just revert back to, you know, their bread and butter, which is just basically the grills of destiny. And because it's happened like so many times, I think every time that they've done it, they sort of like diminish the importance of the belts. Mm. But I, I, well, that's what I think. That's what I definitely think, anyway. And it sort of it showed a little bit in this match because, as you said, like Juice Robinson was the only one that was like particularly over with his crowd, and you, you know this, the the Juice Robinson like story is just like you know something that I I previously echoed in the um when we talked about the Royal Quest show of just someone that's sort of like built up this reputation, this rapport with. The New Japan audience, and it's sort mm. of like paid off gangbusters in in way or another. Um, so yeah, there was um, it's the, the main story of this match really was just sort of like God just basically like dominating and cutting off any kind of hope spots for the babyfaces. I did quite like that they started things out on sort of like the ramp, like um, obviously like Fin Juice making their entrance, and then as Guerrillas of Destiny are making their entrance. They just basic like uh, Juice just basically meet them up on the ramp and they started up there. That was an ingenious way of just sort of well, it wasn't ingenious. It was a different way of sort of like you know starting off the match and like made it stand out that little bit more. Yeah. Um, as I say, like Grills Destiny pretty much fucking dominated for like 75, 80 percent of this match. Um, as I said, they they go for the like great big massive superplex powerbomb off the second rope. Mm. um and David Finlay just about reverses it um into sort of like a head scissors just about <laughs> manages to get himself over um there's a reversal from uh, Tamatonga's gunstun. Uh he rolls him up in an O'Connor roll and as he gets pushed off he gets uh, hit with a Singapore cane shot from Jado there's a yep yeah, sorry I've just completely lost him in my notes um Juice Robinson comes in as I say he's incredibly over with the crowd Hits a left hand of God on Jado. Um, then there's a right hand of God to Tangaloa, who just sort of like somewhat no-sells it, and then he gets hit with a left hand of God and um, then gets hit with the pulp friction. And then I have in my notes, um, Tang Tangaloa channeling his inner cane because he took the fucking pulp, gr- pulp friction, which is basically the um or Christian's kill switch, as it's known as. Yeah. It um, just basically took the bump right on his fucking knees. Um and I hate
1: then... that move. I hate that move. It's <laughs> shit. It's shit. Yeah. If you're not going to fall flat on your face, and for the person who's selling it, fall flat on your face. Because if you're looking yeah. at it, you, you're making everyone look a tit. Mm-hmm. Yep,
0: definitely.
1: Sorry, but I think Chelsea oh, Green's oh. using it in NXT at the minute. It looks crap. <laughs> okay? It looks crap. Do something else. End of. Right, go on. <laughs> it is, should, it is, but also... when someone just takes it on the knees, it looks yeah. awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it does. It doesn't. It doesn't do the. It doesn't do the move justice, and it doesn't do you justice as a worker because it just makes it feel like, yeah, okay, right.
1: You're looking you look ass, guys. You're looking
0: ass. Yeah. yeah, you really do. <laughs> uh, pro- 24/7 looks an ass. <laughs> Should probably make mention. Um, you know, Juice Robinson calls it the pulp, Calls it pulp friction. Christian calls it the kill switch or the unprettier. Do you know that Candice Michelle used to um used to use that move as a finisher, and she called it the candy wrapper.
1: Oh fuck hell.
0: <laughs> yes, this is she what
1: my only, oh, it just 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 dealt. That was a horrible period for women's wrestling. <laughs> horrible when you have Candice Michelle as your your women's champion. you're just, just oh no disrespect to Candice, you you were great, love, but thankfully you stopped now. <laughs> um, this, this is, is one funny. of my this is one of my public service announcements again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> she's stopped now. No, she's learned. She's fine. Yeah. She's good. This
0: We're so... <laughs> like, like i talk to her every other week no she knows the score it's fine it, it... She's, she's not joining medusa and melina in the uh, the hall of stop <laughs> in fact
1: on that note to catch <laughs> no, no no don't don't please don't
0: <laughs> um so yeah after the uh, after the cane bump from the pulp friction um uh, juice hits a left-handed god on tamatonga and then there's an acid drop from david finley and Fin Juice get the win and they win the tag belts in 13 minutes 25. Um this picked up a little bit towards the end, but for the majority of it it wasn't it, it was just sort of there, really. Yeah, it, it, on paper this looks like a really, really
1: good match to watch. Um but the the fact that it was a good match. It was really, really good. I really, really liked it. I, I enjoyed it personally. Um but the the having the crowd so dead for the GOD was
0: eerie. It affected it fa- it. It, It's definitely affected it.
1: It but i I sort of think it sort of made it better for the likes of Finn Juice or oh god, I hate it. I hate saying that word. Juice <laughs> <laughs> it made it better for Juice Robinson and David Finley. Oh that sounds so much better. Especially when Juice is over to hell, by the way. And I think yep. David, if David Finley just holds his hand for the rest of his career, he's sighted.
0: <laughs> yeah David Finley of uh, Fit Finley fame you know uh, my name is Finley and I love to fight uh, yeah anyway no
1: Hornswoggles his son, anyway. um, no, horn his son. <laughs> oh no you've ruined it for me
0: Hola.
1: oh no no no, don't <laughs> no, stop the podcast fuck it no um, that's a very like, hard it's like telling your kids Santa's not
0: real mm.
1: by the way kids if you're listening Santa's not real <laughs>
0: So, yeah, we were making me- um, making reference of um, how stagnated the tag team division is, and you're thinking, oh, okay, another makeshift tag team, you know, with with the uh, with the tag belts. Do you want to know how long um, Finn Juice's title reign lasts for? Well,
1: uh, well, the uh, 24 hours in a day, uh, seven days a week.
0: Um, uh, a day? <laughs> no, it's a bit longer than that. 28 oh. days. Ah. Oh. Uh, because uh, they dropped the belts um, during the US tour in the beginning of February to guess who? Polygorillas of Destiny. You well, are correct, sir. You are correct indeed. Because there's uh, nobody else to drop them to. <laughs> well, there, there wasn't up until sort of like just before the pandemic because um, there was a New Japan Road show um, the back end of February. I think it was February the 22nd uh, where they dropped the belts to. The Golden Ace team of Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um,
1: you see, I hate it. I like tag team wrestling. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I hate it when you put two pretty decent singles wrestlers together for the sake of a few months mm-hmm. for a tag title run. Mm-mm. When you have a perfect, when you could have a perfectly good tag team somewhere else that are an established tag team that want to work as a tag team. And that's their, that's their thing. Mm. I don't like it when two very good in, in that case, two good singles wrestlers are slammed together for the sake of a couple of months of a, a tag title run. It, it, it makes no sense. And it's a waste of a, a waste of a match and waste of, well, two guys
0: and a waste yeah, of a title. Well, you could say the same thing for uh, the guys that they that Tanahashi and Ibushi dropped the belts to, which was Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. on the uh, Dominion show that I did a review for a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, well, make sure you check out. Case in point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, it's, and the longer this continues,
1: the longer that, that those those titles are going to shrink into into. It's not it's not going to mean out. They'll be on the pre-show, or they'll be the first match on the show. You know what I mean? And it's not anybody's fault but the people who are booking it. No disrespect to the guys by uh, like Juice Robert, Dave, and the other guys you, you've mentioned back there, or, or even Guerrillas of Destiny. It's not their fault. There needs to be more tag teams in New Japan, and they need to fix it soon so they can save this division.
0: Yeah. be interesting what you have to say when we come to the next NWA pay-per-view. That's all I'll say on that. Melina um, so, in it. No, Melina's not in it. You'll be. Oh, for that. You'll be happy to know. Uh so match number five is a Texas death match for the IWGP United States Championship. The champion Lance Archer taking on the challenger, John Moxley. Now um John Moxley uh made his New Japan debut at the best of Super Juniors Finals um just, just under a year ago. And uh, in his very first match defeated Juice Robinson for the US title, um pretty much held that belt up until um, the King of Pro Wrestling show in October of 2019, uh, which is around about the same time that um, monsoon season hit in Japan. Uh, he couldn't get into the country, uh, had to relinquish the belt, and so uh, Lance Archer won it in another match featuring Juice Robinson, and so he's been champion since October. Um, we haven't really talked that much about like John Moxley, the former Dean Ambrose Um his sort of uh, run since he left WWE. Um, I can only really talk for his New Japan run um, because it's it's all I watch really. I don't really watch um, all Elite wrestling, um, even though he is the world champion for it. And I'm I'm quite a big big advocate for for John Moxley, uh, particularly in New Japan, um, because his uh, debut match against Juice Robinson was really good. Um, matches that he had in the G1 tournament, particularly against Tomohiro Ishii was fucking great um, and this match as well, which was another really good one um, and then subsequent matches that he had with, has with a certain legend in New Japan Pro Wrestling going forward which will be revealed on night 2 are really fucking good as well um, so what are your general thoughts on uh, on John Moxley as a whole? He's fa- finally been treated
1: like the superstar like the absolute the the best he is one of the best in the world, and he's finally been treated like that he's finally a, now he's able to showcase it properly new Japan did in an absolute golden in able to give him the platform to show everyone how good he really really is how good we know he can be mm-hmm Um, He could drop titles and still look good. He's looked good in AEW, something I watch on a weekly basis, much to the dismay of all my friends. (laughs) (laughs) All all three of them. (laughs) (laughs) I love love, love how he almost went off of me. It's not a fucking pantomime, pal. Get away. (laughs) No, um, he's treated like the big deal he should have been treated in WWE. Yeah. Um he, he can do this I I know one of my pet hates is when no disqualification matches are called something else. <laughs> it's yeah. a, I hate this so-called Texas death match.
0: It's a no disqualification match. Yeah, we please should, just call it that. i <laughs> probably make mention this the, the 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 Texas death match like the the rules are pretty much like the case of last man standing but you can also win by submission as well. Yeah. That's that's, that's uh, basically sort of like that's basically sort of like the premise for
1: this yeah. match. Uh, um but I, know, but I know that John Moxley, you know, yeah, he, he has his criticisms of him going too far. Like there isn't um he had a match with Kenny Omega yeah. uh in AW that was room to go too far. Even I winced a bit at it, but you know, it's it's them two guys, they wanna do that shit to themselves as for them to, to entertain us. Fair enough, if it don't come off, it don't come off and they don't do it again. It's 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 like a, a comedy sketch, they tell a joke, it doesn't get a laugh, they don't tell that joke again. It's very much simple as that. Um but there's it wasn't there a plastic bag segment in this? Uh, yeah,
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into it a little bit here. So um this this match, if you're familiar with sort of like John Moxley um trash brawling, there was no, you know, mouse trap mousetraps on like backboards, there was no barbed wire. There was sort of like you know quite vicious chair shots. There was you know Singapore cane shots. Um, There's a spot where sort of like you know after a very wispy choke slam on the apron, um, Lance Archer grabs uh, Gabriel Kidd, who's a member of the LA Dojo, and gives him a choke slam off the apron and just basically chokeslams in onto John Moxley. Um, And then literally they're showing the replay of the spot. And then, like, literally as they come back, like, Lance Archer's doing, like, a great big massive dive over the ropes, a la Roman Reigns, onto, like, Moxley and the load of, like, the New Japan Dojo guys at ringside. Um, uh, Moxley sets up um, four chairs, uh, four folding chairs in the ring. And, you know, the, uh, the age old thing, if you set it up, you shall go through it. And uh, <laughs> Moxley gets put through it with uh, uh, Lance Archer's blackout, which looked... Very fucking painful. Um, I, I have to say that there was great fucking selling from Moxley. Um, after he gets chokeslammed onto a chair by Lance Archer, they're just sort of like the in the ten count. So like it's sort of like Sir so Moxley's down. Like it basically gets to six. It looks as if sort of like Moxley is getting to his feet, but then he sort of like falls flat at like the count of seven, and it gets to like the count of nine, and Moxley in just sort of like one motion like, presses himself up off the floor and then just sort of, like, stands right up from it. It was fucking like, whoa, that was fucking, you know, it was a little thing, but it was just sort of like fucking, fucking hell, I know if I attempted to do that, I'd probably pull my fucking back out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd destroy myself if I did do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, My next note is, um, as you, you, you mentioned, Ant, um, the power of the placky bag. Um, Lance Archer just sort of, like, guessed <laughs> He gets like a plastic bag and puts in the sort of like um, the Kenny von Va- uh, Kenny, is it Kenny Va- oh, Kerry. oh Kerry Kerry Von Erich, um, this the claw which he calls the EBD claw, which oh, stands yeah, yeah. for Everybody Must Die. Um, just puts the claw in on that, um, and sort of like Moxley survives, um, and then sort of like the finish of this match, um, Lance Archer sets up two Japanese tables at ringside. And I should, um, I should make mention, when I say Japanese tables, I don't mean sort of like the tables that are used in WWE, AEW, um, NWA. Um, I'm talking about sort of like the kind of tables you'd expect to see um, at like a cake stall or like a, you know, at, at sort of like a village village fate. It's that kind of table. So when,
1: next good. time you see like a church summer fair, you try putting your friend through one of them tables. That's <laughs> essentially what it is. Yeah. <laughs> make sure it's a church one, though. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, don't do that. Please don't do that. Well, that's I, that's. I, a, why not? Why,
0: why not? It'd be fucking
1: eventful. Or Christmas Day, put your mother-in-law through one. Have a go. <laughs>
0: That'll be something to talk about in Christmases to come, that in the future. Make um. it less awkward. <laughs> yeah. Eating at table a anyway. Anyway, this match. <laughs> um. So Lance Archer, yeah, after setting up the two tables, teases another um he teases another blackout, but um part of like Lance Archer's um entrance gear, he wears like a sort of like a war helmet with sort of like all sorts of spikes down the yeah. middle. And he fucking takes this helmet and fucking jars it into Moxley's head. And so much so that it just sort of like it leads like a black scuff mark, like right on his like eyebrow line. Mm. And obviously he's sort of like well, he he's he busted open it a little bit, but you could say that's probably from the next table spot that's coming. Um so yeah, the Archer he teases a blackout, <clears throat> but Moxley gets out of it. And then he uh Moxley teases sort of like a big E um dive through the rope spear and um Archer um counters that goes for another choke slam, Moxley counters that and hits a great big massive death rider. They go through both of the tables. Um, Archer buses open quite badly um, and uh, Moxley beats the 10 count, Archer doesn't and Moxley regains the US title in 14 minutes 26 um, this was I, d- I did enjoy this match I really did enjoy this match because they just went in there and they beat the ever and f- crap out of each other um, but it was sloppy in places, it was sloppy in places but given the the sort of like the the context of the match, given that it wasn't like a straight-up wrestling match, it was literally just seen as sort of like an all-out war. I felt it sort of didn't affect it too much. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this quite a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, doesn't Lance Archer look fucking
0: awesome, man? Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, that dude looks amazing. Uh, from relatively... Uh, uh, relative obscurity in his career, really. He's really made a name for himself over there. Now he's obviously come to AEW and he's with and he put him with Jake the Snake Roberts, which is such a great combination, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there was there was a few times where I was a bit surprised, like with the plastic bag, you know, the plastic bag thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how far that went? I mean, the plastic bag—it's like <laughs> you can get it. You, you do it too long, or it goes wrong. It, it kills people. That.
0: Yeah.
1: But t- with that, in case was this the best match you, I've seen? No, there was a few little screw ups here and there, but it you sort of didn't notice mm-hmm. because basically there were two crazy arseholes trying to absolutely, like, you say, kick absolutely the living fuck out of each other. Exactly, and. So you, even though you noticed the mistakes, it didn't feel like a, a botch as, um, as it would,
0: um, as it would in a normal wrestling match. Yeah.
1: Um, in terms of Moxley, I mean, I think I think his match at the G1 with um, Ishii. Yeah. I still think that's his best match.
0: Oh yeah. That he's yeah, had. I definitely but, agree.
1: Um, and his <sighs> debut, possibly his debut match, coming second, and then this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, our, Lance Archer, it looks fucking terrifying. Yeah. He's fucking terrifying that boy. But and and it was a case in this match where both of these guys come off looking like a million dollars. And, and they, did it, they did it really well in a not too over-the-top way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. But again, stop. Calling no disqualification matches and last man standing matches like a Texas Death Match. I fucking hate it when they do that. <laughs> I hate that. Like it's like I remember one Taboo Tuesday going back, or was it Cyber Sunday? Or one of the basically. I think it was. I what kind of match would they have? The the options were uh, no no holds barred, no disqualification match, or, or false out and, I, and I looked at them went like, they're all the same fucking things. <laughs> what are we doing here? Exactly. Stop giving them all different fucking names. Just call them fucking no disqualification things or no DQ. simply Sympath- Because it's Texas Death Match. I'm expecting someone to die because yeah. it's a death match. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. What celebrity death match? You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: um, so probably make mention as well. Um, after the match, John Moxley grabs the microphone. Um, just basically says he was he came this weekend to, um, he's basically a gambler willing to put it all on the line. And, uh, just basically calls out juice Robinson and says that they've going to settle the score on night two. Um, because it's a sort of like built into their rivalry that, um, Moxley took the title on his first, first night in, but it was actually juice Robinson beating him on the final, final day of sort of like, I believe Moxley was in the B block. um, but it was like that loss to Juice that like had him out of the running for going into the finals of the G1 tournament. So it's pretty much just sort of like the, the rubber match in the, the end of their feud. So that's something else to look forward to on night two. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so match number six is for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. The champion, the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay, taking on the returning ticking time bomb, Hiromu Takahashi. So uh, on the November third show in Osaka, uh, Hiroshi Takashi returned to New Japan Pro Wrestling after being out for nearly sixteen months due to the severe neck injury that he suffered in his match with Dragon Lee, um, in the G1 Special Show in San Francisco on July the seventh, twenty eighteen. Um, so yeah, this is, well, I say this is his like return or his like his return match. He did have like a little bit of a warm up match on the December ninth show in Corrigan Hall. It was a match of uh, Hiromu and Bushi against Ospreay and Robbie Eagles, and um, it was a match that Hiromu actually got flash pinned by Robbie Eagles, and that sort of interwe- interweaves itself into sort of like the story of this match of just basically like, yes, Hirota Takahashi's back, but is this the same ticking time bomb that was, you know, tearing up the junior division? 16 months ago, you know, before he got severely injured. And um, that's just basically the the crux of where sort of like Osprey feels he's at a different level to what Hiromu is. And it's up to Hiromu in this next match to prove him wrong. Um, should probably make mention as well. Uh, Osprey has been the junior heavyweight champion um, since Dominion uh, back in August, uh, defeating Dragon Lee, who obviously uh, won the title during the G1 Supercard, which is the... Sh- First show that we uh, we covered on this little uh on this little yeah. Bob. Um, yeah. Uh, so early on in the match, um, there's a dripping DDT uh, hit by Will Osprey. Um, Chris Charlton sort of like chimes in, making reference to um the injury that uh, Tamaki Honma suffered in uh, 2015. Uh, he just basically sort of like um took the the you know the, the Randy Orton draping DDT pretty much, and um, it's just pretty much like severe spinal injuries, like so much so that like it, it was very nearly sort of like paralyzed, and it took him like a full a full year, year and a bit, to sort of like you know, rehabilitate himself to get back into back into the ring. So I think it was like it, it was a nice little reference point, given the sort of like the the injury that Hiroshi would literally just come off the back of, um, just like a nice little little reference point. Um, there's a lovely little uh, wheelbarrow manoeuvre um, sort of like Rey Mysterio-esque from Hiromu that he turns into sort of like a flatliner which I thought was really nice um, probably my favourite sequence of uh, the whole match um, it's where uh, Will Ospreay is going for sort of like the Sasuke special so it's like the um, the sort of like cartwheel and then goes into a flipping moonsault to the outside um, so Hiromu moves out of the way of that and Osprey lands on the floor. Hiromu goes to give him an over uh, German suplex which Osprey flips out of and sort of like Osprey's sort of like halfway up the ramp. So he goes like running at Hiromu. Hiromu goes to give him sort of like an overhead throw. Um but he sort of like throws him in such a way that Osprey sort of like um dives through the bottom rope back into the ring and then eventually hits the Sasuke special. Just thought, like I remember I remember watching this match live um, and just sort of like being like oh fucking hell that was a pretty darn good fucking sequence really darn good sequence um, there's a um, big springboard um, from one side to the other foot stomp um, onto Hiromu who is standing on the apron um, from Will Ospreay um, there was a little bit of a sort of like back and forth on the um, on the second rope where the sort of like Teasing like a reverse code red spot, and I just had in my notes if Bonco was watching this, he'd literally be tearing his fucking hair out right now. Um, oh yeah, oh yes, yeah. So, yeah, whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> he's not on the. He's not on. So sod
0: him. <laughs> no, to be honest, to be honest with you, I, I, like I, that spot in particular was just sort of like a bit. no, oh, come on, lads, you know it's it's. I realise it's wrestling, but come on, you've got to you've got to put some effort of just sort of like you know making making it look like a bit of a battle. Um, so there's a really great kick out from uh, Hiromu off of the uh, Ostcutter. Um He literally just waits until it's like 2.95 before he gets his shoulder up. Um, there's a lovely uh, pop up power bomb. Um, from Hiromu uh, countering Hidden Blade. Um, this I made note here um off of like one of the near falls referee marty sammy he sort of like does this like great little thing of just sort of like you know someone kicks out at two and he'll put his hands behind his back and just sort of like look at the timekeeper and just give like a real clear shake of the head as if it was just sort of like no no that wasn't free and it just got me thinking of the amount of times that sort of like you know in sort of like wrestling matches where <laughs> it's like a blown spot like yeah. you, you know, someone's someone's gone for the pin. They obviously kick out at two, but the timekeeper like instantly rings the fucking bell. and It's just sort of like quite clearly it wasn't a fucking free. You idiot! Wait until wait for the actual action from the referee of like okay, you're okay to win the bell, ring the bell because this match is over. Um, but yeah, that was just a little um little observation that I had. Um, so uh, Osprey goes for his Stormbreaker finisher. There's a nice little code red counter from Hiromu for a close two. Uh, there's a great big massive lariat and then the time bomb uh, from Hiromu. But Osprey kicks out. Um, but uh, so Hiromu capitalizes on that, instantly hits like a great big massive diving forearm to Osprey who's on the floor. And then finishes him off with this fucking, I, I, I don't know what, to. I don't really know what to describe it really. Because it was like, it was almost like a trash compactor. But it was from like a suplex position. It was quite weird because it is it's it's a move that I've not seen Hiromu do before. Yeah, but it was it was, yeah. Just, it was a bit weird.
1: It, it felt very off. Uh, it took me off, uh, off guard. Yeah, considering all the all those false finishes, and I, I I did I did fall for every single false finish. I know I shouldn't, but mm-hmm. I really really from uh, Hiromu kicking out the Oscillator to Osprey kicking out the Time Bomb. And just everything else that yeah. happened in
0: between. It just, it yeah. just felt, it, it felt a bit, little bit out of like left place, field, out, yeah. And it out, out of place. Out place yeah. Considering as well that that's the move that wins it for Hiromu, and uh, obviously he captures the New Japan, uh, the Junior title in a 24 minutes 33. Um, there was some, there was some like really darn good, um, darn good moves in this match, like. Hiromu and Osprey like work really fucking well with each other, but and I don't really like to say this, but I'm sort of over sort of like you know the these sort of like well <laughs> as fl- as Flinders and Bunkle would probably call it flippedy do bullshit, but in sort of like a not not so much a demigrating way, I just sort of like I'm am I'm, I'm over it a little bit really because you know it just it's it, it comes to a point where you know these all sort of like blend into one another and you know don't get me wrong I, I did quite like this match but it was just sort of like almost a bit like sort of the same as what I've seen in the past and particularly with Dave Meltzer you know big daddy Meltzer just saying that oh it's one of the uh, one of the best it's probably the best junior heavyweight match to ever take place in the Tokyo oh. Dome I'm just sort of like, well, you have a great big massive chubby for Will Osprey, so you know I can't take you at fucking face value. So it, it, the match, yeah. The yeah. match was, the match was, the match was good, but I wasn't fucking, I wasn't blown away by it to be honest with you, because you know I've, I've seen, I've seen this, I've seen this all before, and it didn't really blow me away too much.
1: Yeah, and I think in terms of all these these <laughs> flippity doobaliks, it's like boyzone sound. Love me for a reason. Let Mm -hmm. that reason be love. If you're going to do a flip or going to do anything like that, make it fucking mean something. Don't do it because it it stops being a wrestling match and starts being a circus act. Yes. I I truly believe that. I think, Will Ospreay, Will, you're a great wrestler, pal. You need to stop doing all these flippy stuff every single time Mm -hmm. because eventually it's going to get boring. In fact, it's getting boring now. It already is boring. It (laughs) It already is boring. He, he's, uh, to me, he is stopping at the minute now being a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And he's started being a circus act. Yes. And I feel bad saying that. But when you consider what he can do, mm-hmm. when you consider what he's capable of, he's a bloody good wrestler. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to do a, it certainly not every match i'm not saying don't do it ever again but if you're doing it every match and you are wrestling in the same places especially in, J- J- in japan they'll catch on to it easily and i think they already have they caught onto it very very easy mm. um because you do wrestle in the pretty much the same place every time in front of the same people yeah mm-hmm. um I think this is—he's—he's he's got to have a turning point here that says I've got to stop doing these flippity doo dahs, sh- <laughs> flippity doo. I know, I—I get, I get um, at, verbally attacked um for my for my love of AEW and the Young Bucks and God knows what else, and and I sort of agree with him to an extent, but I think that especially now they have a very good balance of that, especially in AEW. However, I think Will Ospreay is one of the main um. Villains of this this sort of wrestling, and it all started with him and Ricochet doing that little springy stuff all them years ago. Mm. Uh, Ricochet's moved on. It's time for Will
0: Osprey to do the same. He's <laughs> not, <laughs> well, he, he, you say he's moved on. He's sort of like moved down. <laughs> given yeah. his current situation. He's, he's, in he, he, he
1: moved on to move down to move. No, he's, I think he's moved slightly sideways and sort of like in a diagonal. Think of sort of like uh, I, I don't know. What kind of angle is that? Anyway, <laughs> he's he's sloping downhill. Yeah, sort of like the fucking R number, whatever it's called. <laughs> he's, that's what he's done. And he's not doing it anymore, mainly mainly because he's not wrestling anymore. But he's not doing it anymore, <laughs> Shay. As often, mm-hmm. he's saving it for paper. He saved it for pay-per-views. He saved it for the big matches. Will Ospreay is doing it every time he steps into a ring. Mm. And like it's like I said, at the, the end of the day, he is stopping becoming a wrestler and started being a circus. Art. If so, put on a, a freaking green wig, paint your face, and put a big bloody red nose on you and go and do it in a bloody tent. And if that's what he's going to do for the rest of his career, he may as well do. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and he's just going to turn out to be a joke. He's not going to go for the big titles. Or oh, he might have a little tag run here and there, or God knows what else. People are just going to see... And they're not even going to come to see it anymore. They're going to come see the big wrestlers. But, oh, here comes Will Osprey with his flippy stuff again. Oh, that was all right. Yeah, that was funny five years ago. That was quite entertaining ten years ago. And so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. We know he's better than that. And it's a shame to see him still doing it. It's like he's he's found this thing that gets him over. And he's kept doing it and doing it and doing it. He's Mm -hmm. not changing it. Not changed with the times, and unfortunately, you either move with the times or the times move you. In in Osprey's case, it's a shame because he's he's better than all that. He's much much better. Mm. Oh, by the way, Melts, this wasn't the best match you've ever seen. Come on, pal, or uh, uh, the greatest uh, super or uh, greatest junior heavyweight title match that you've seen in the history of the Tokyo uh uh-uh. Ah, no, just 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 put your cock away. And just calm down, mm. because I think Meltzer has also been a factor in this flippy stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think the more he praises Osprey for, it, I think he's, I think Osprey needs to stop listening to Meltzer mm. and start listening to the crowd reactions to, and start and start listening to us.
0: Um. <laughs> i i i think i think anything sort of like you know melts as sort of like hindered hindered like osprey getting over to any kind of any kind of audience because you know it it's, you realize that he's sort of like you know he's a high-end journalist in the wrestling industry but you know like and i, I, I know sort of like most of the time not to take much of what he says to heart because it's just basically his opinion yeah. but he'd like he when he constantly comes out saying that you know he's you know he is one of the... he's one of it he well when people, when he comes out and says that he's the best wrestler in the world right now i just think no he's not because i can think of like 4 or 5 four or 5 wrestlers that are significantly better than him and you know who are significantly more over than him so I, you know i can think just... of several on this pissing card yeah including the bloke he's up against yeah yeah absolutely um, The two
1: lads in the main event uh, mm-hmm. uh ibushi and okada yep. uh, naito i won't say white just yet maybe Not
0: just yet
1: S- certainly john moxley mm-hmm. and and god if you go to all promotions kenny omega come on aj aj styles for God's sake. I, mm. It baffles me. You can't come out and say things like that when it blatantly... I know he's, he, he's entitled to his opinion. Yeah. But it's wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, <laughs> his opinion is is wrong. And unfortunately, his opinion holds a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, so even if it's wrong, the wrestlers... So, so if Will reads one of his reviews... He takes, be, he, yeah, he takes he takes it on as a positive takes, and ignores the, ne- the he'll take that one percent positive and ignore the ninety nine percent negative. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and just be like, well, if if Melzer thinks what I'm doing is great, then everybody else it must yeah. be the same for everybody else. Yeah,
1: and it completely unfortunately for him it is not the case. No.
0: Yeah. Um, what did you What did you think of this match? By the way, I, I just can't remember if you if you gave your thoughts on the match itself. <laughs> um. I thought it was good.
1: It was good. It was very, very good. Um Hirobo Hi- 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 was very, very, very much the fan favourite. Um, Ospreay working as the heel. Um, the false finishes they were really close. I do I, I love a good false finish, especially with a fall for it. Um so Hirobo kicking out the Oscars and Osprey kicking out the time bomb, like I said before. Um yeah it was good Mm -hmm. wasn't great it was good yeah um did more for haroma than it did um our will um but like we said with will i think if he the sooner he stops listening to big daddy dave and the more he starts listening to um i think the people around him uh and just even just watching what the likes of Ricardo do or Ibushi does or Naito does, just watch them guys, watch what they do. They're not throwing themselves a ring like a circus at they're not Cirque du Soleil. You're not in Cirque du Soleil, Will. This is mm-hmm. wrestling. Yeah. Time to be time to be a wrestler. Time mm-hmm. to be that's that's what I'm gonna to say to him. Time to be a wrestler now, lad.
0: Yep. Anyway, we'll move on to our semi main event. It's for the IWGP <clears throat> Intercontinental Championship. The champion, Switchblade Jay White, taking on the ungovernable Tetsuya Naito. Um, so obviously this is the first of our three matches to, cl- ooh, to crown the double champion, which will be crowned in the main event of night two. Um, yeah, there's, both of these guys are fucking awesome. Um, the match starts out with Jay White doing his usual shit out stalling <laughs> of like going of like you know. Leaving the ring and just sort of like you know wasting time. D- to, be honest with, to be honest with you, it was the the story of this match, like particularly early on, was a lot like the tag match that they were involved in during the the uh, Royal Quest show. It was literally just a case of who can out shit who can shit ha- out shit house the other. <laughs> um, because you know Jay Jay White does this sort of like you know leaving the ring twice stealing Bob. Naito doesn't really fall for it. He doesn't get frustrated. He's just sort of like, yeah, whatever. You you do what you have to do. And then the second time that Jay White does it, like literally Naito goes out to Gedo, who's on the other side of the ring, and just sort of like goes and like grabs at his beard. And he's (laughs) literally just there, just like going, hey, Jay, I've got your manager. You going to come and do anything about it? And, you know, he eventually does. Um, We were making mention uh, about the... um, it's the, the interference spots that are synonymous with Bullet Club. There were five in this match from Ghetto. Um, so there was a first interference spot of um, Ghetto grabbing at uh, Naito's uh, leg, which allows sort of like Jay to get his first little bit of offense in the match. Um, Naito fights back a little bit more, and um, there's literally not even 30 seconds later he's grabbing at Naito's leg again, which allows Jay to sort of like um, grab Naito and just basically pull him nuts first into the ring post. And then whilst Jay is distracting the referee and um, Gedo takes a chair and wraps it around Naito's knee. And that becomes the sort of like the, the sole purpose of like, well, not the sole purpose, but sort of like the, the main crux of what the match is built around of just Jay doing his best, to just wear down the knee of uh, of Naito and it's literally just here that I have like like bits and pieces of like why J White doesn't need these constant interference spots from Ghetto. Like there's there's a little bit where um, White does like you know the the Tetsuya know so like roll and then just sort yeah. of like you know the 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 uh, the pose, but he does it with sort of like the Bullet Club two sweet fingers, which is a great little heat spot and it works because the crowd fucking booing. And then there's another little bit where um, he uh, locks in sort of like a motor lock on Naito. And whilst he's sort of like got the uh, hold locked in, he's sort of like fish hooking at uh, Naito's mouth, just basically going, come on, Naito, smile for the camera, smile for the, cramp- smile for the camera. It's like, that's a fucking great heat getter. Mm. Like he's like, this is the thing with sort of like Jay White. He's able to get the heat on his own. He doesn't need any sort of like outside... Interference yeah. and all this malarkey, and you know, we're, we're getting a little bit ahead ourselves, but um, obviously, like in like current day, sort of like New Japan at the moment, the big thing that's sort of like come out of the company at this point in time is that Evil has recently turned heel, joined the Bullet Club, and is just basically sort of like the new, he's just basically Jay White at the moment mm. because um. You know, because Jay White and Kent are, are sort of like overseas, and they can't obviously get back into the country. So they 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 pretty much sort of like hot shotted it at the New Japan Cup finals of just sort of like you know evil, like laying out Naito, joining the Bullet Club. Then the next night at Dominion, like you know multiple fucking interference spots, you know constant fucking you know dirty ways of just basically winning, mm-hmm. and you um the the day that we're recording this is the um the the latest show that's just gone on is um was a main event of evil and Hiromu Takashi. Um and it was like well I've not seen the show, but apparently it was very much the same way of just like constant interference spots towards the finish. Yeah. And it says a lot when you to me, when you need these like constant like interference spots or outside interferences it shows to me that you don't have like a true trust in the heel that you're trying to get over to be a a heel just on their own now you know it's a little bit too early to tell with sort of like with evil at the moment but fucking jay white i mean you can see in this match like take out these interference spots and you can still see that it is jay white being the cocky smarmy Prick heel that you want to see Naito beat the loving crap out of. Like he's really fucking good at it. He's really good at it. And you know, I, I made mention on the on the G1 G1 Supercard show. He doesn't need this. Like he doesn't. Like I, I mean, if you want to do like one spot, maybe two towards the end of the match, fair enough. Hmm. But like to you know, five or six times throughout the space of like a long match, as I say, it just sort of like it 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 does take it out a lot for me because he does not need it. He really doesn't need it.
1: Yeah, um, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I I think Jay White now is good enough to get, well, of course he's good enough to get that heat on his own. He doesn't need someone else doing it for him. Yeah. Um, It's like they don't trust him with it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know is not the case because they wouldn't have put him in the position of the IWGP uh, Intercontinental Championship in the first place. Um, It seems a trend with Bullet Club as a whole at the minute Mm -hmm. in terms of the direction they are going. Um, I liken Jay White, and again, the delivery man's gonna absolutely rinse me when I finish it. I liken Jay White to Nick Aldis mm-hmm. in terms of they have that natural arrogant look. Yep, and they they could act normal and still piss people off. Mm. Um, obviously I'm, for, I'm not for one minute saying that the same. Nick Aldis is miles above Jay White at this minute in time. Mm-hmm. However, I feel those styles and the way they are are the same. Yeah, I think Jay White looks at Nicolas so and thinks, right, I can have a bit of that mm-hmm. and be that kind of heel. I know Nicholas has the, the, the Camille, but not used as much now, shall we say? She's not used as much, Camille. No. Um, Jay White doesn't need people there at the ring. And I've said no. this before, you're devaluing if he comes out with someone, the minute you see him with someone um who's holding a weapon or gun or what else, you devalue him. Yeah. And you say, and if he loses, it he can put it's like, oh, it's his fault. hmm Or if and if he loses you can say, Oh, it's embarrassing that he lost considering he had someone helping him. But if he wins, it's like, Oh but he had someone helping him. hmm If he goes over a knot, he's he's still not getting over if you
0: get yeah me. that's that's the last that's the lasting impression that you get from
1: mm. him. and it's a shame because the the impression i get from him um i think was it at royal quest as well he is very a, a natural heel yes a very natural heel mm-hmm. just let it happen mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah definitely Um, so as I say, the story of this this match who can be the biggest shithouse Um, (laughs) I love that Naito sort of like, there's there's a couple like combinations of like him um, cutting off Jay White's uh, shithousery of like, um, there's a bit where he's doing sort of like, you know he um, does like the kick in the corner Mm. jumps over the ropes, sweeps the leg and then goes to jump back in for sort of like the basement drop kick while he's in the corner yeah. But like as Naito's jumping back over, Jay White just sort of like um, flinches himself, like puts his puts his arms up as if to block it. So Naito just stops, and then Jay White just sort of like drops his arms, and then Naito immediately hits a drop kick, which is just fucking great. Um, and he does exactly the same thing when um, Naito goes for a Destino, and Jay White doing what he did with Okada during the G1 Supercard, just instantly fucking dead weights. Does the sort of like cocky prick smile, just you know, finger to the head? Oh, I'm fucking smarter than this one. And Naito comes off the ropes and just drop kicks him in the face again.
1: But that that works. That, that 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 natural smile, that smirk, that evil little you, you, you what a. Him punching, which makes it all the better. So, when Naito does get his own back on him, that it makes that payoff better. Whereas, mm-hmm. if it's with someone else, it's directed at the person interfering, not at the wrestler.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, more interference from Ghetto, uh, interference for interference spots four and five. Uh, he brings a chair into play. Um, Naito just basically gets rid of Ghetto at these uh, fifth interference interference spot kicks him in the balls um d- during this sort of like time the referee has been taken out as well which allows um jay to hit naito in the head with an unprotected chair shot and i forgot to mention as well during the um the moxley archer match um that um archer came out with uh two trash can lids and uh archer used it sort of like very early on in the match and john moxley like you know hands up to protect his head because we know it's wrestling, we know it's fake you don't need to take anything unprotected think of your brain <laughs> think of your brain Naito, for fuck's sake um, <laughs> just like that we've got the title of the podcast, think of your yeah. brain <laughs> think of your brain Um so Jay hits uh, two sleeper suplexes which are like devastating um, so Naito hits a uh, running Dastino off of a poison Rana which only gets to two. Um, there's a reversal of a Blade Runner into a very nasty brainbuster from Naito, and then he hits a regular Destino with the, um, with pretty much just sort of like the um, the rip cord, a lot like Night a lot like how Okada does with doing like a proper Raymaker, and uh, that seals the victory. Naito becomes the Intercontinental Champion again, and moves on to the main event of Night Two in 33 minutes 54 um as I say sort of like take out the interference spots and i think maybe cut a little bit of time off it because I felt it went a little bit too long in the tooth particularly if your main events like going nearly 40 minutes um but yeah, other, it's like other than,
1: minutes 54 seconds
0: yeah yeah it, it's it's went a too... while yeah it went a while but still from it but bar that like I really really enjoyed this match i thought it was really darn good
1: Yeah, I mean, Tetsu United is probably one of my... is my favourite wrestler at the minute. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everything he does is absolute gold. Um, Obviously, it's the fifth time he's held this the the Intercontinental Championship. Um, uh, I think Jay White came off really, really bad on this. Um, Just because of all the interferences and he still didn't win... And it really, did, I don't, I think you can't underestimate how much it devalues someone. Yeah. Uh, when when that yeah. happens, um, it sets him back a good couple of matches, and it's not good for him. And he's, you know, he's he's relatively starting out still, um, st- uh, but he's he's such a natural heel and He's so good. I believe he'll get back on track. I just hope they ditch the um, his friends, mm-hmm. and he just becomes. A leader, a lone wolf, as you as you will uh, of the Bullet Club, um, and gets back in that main event title picture again with Naito. The boy's golden. Uh, the brain. You mentioned the brainbuster. Um, a move I I I feel very funny about because it is one one slip away, one bad move away from being real bad. Because mm. it's just like a suplex and a drop, mm. really. It's everyone just drops. It's um, it's it's not uncomfortable to watch sometimes. I I just think it's one of them that's very risky. Mm. I like it. Don't get me wrong. It's a great spot. It's a great move. But you know, if if someone does in the wrong hands, it's disaster.
0: Yeah. I think there is a way of doing it like i mean um tomohiro ishii's finisher is a brain buster but he doesn't do it like exactly like a brain buster it's pretty much just sort of like a vertical suplex but with sort of like a little bit of a tuck in. but it's only like sort of slight those are those are the kind of brain busters you'd probably be okay taking
1: yeah 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 Agree, agree agree agree
0: yeah but yeah just great match really really great match um, so yeah, we should probably move on to the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The champion, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, taking on the winner of the G1 Climax 29 tournament, I should say. Uh, the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. Um, now this is a rematch from the Block A Finals, um, which is a match that I saw whilst uh, doing my great big massive um, following of the G1 tournaments and it was fucking great. So safe to say that I was very much looking forward to this match. Mm. Um Okada's entrance and his new sort of like entr- um entrance attire I thought were fucking great. really fucking cool. Like I mean like this the entrance row the the robe especially where they sort of like have the the proper lighting on it and it just sort of like glows in the dark as he's walking down the ramp. I think it's really fucking cool.
1: mm
0: It's really cool. And it's yeah. said it's an attire that he's kept up um to this day, as far as I'm aware. Um trying to say both
1: I'm... these guys in the hole are fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're just they're just fucking cool. Whatever mm. they do, walking. Fucking coolest walkers you've ever seen in your life. Like, sit down on the park bench and I'd give it five stars and I'd scream to my voice <laughs> they're fucking cool guys
0: yeah um, It's the, the one thing that I wasn't sure was quite cool was Okada's new trunks um, they're sort of like they're, they're done in a way that have you ever been sort of like abroad to like I don't know like somewhere like Egypt and they've got those sort of like um they've got those like decorative lampshades and they just looked the like there's bits of like um, reflective like plastic or like I don't know like um, you know different multicolored sort of like strips mm. like that've broken off and they've just sort of like been glued on sort of like the lampshades. I I, I don't know why, but that's what I thought when I kept looking at Okada's ring uh, <laughs> wrestling gear. Yeah, I'm just
1: looking at it now. Just whacked a picture up. Yeah. Uh, I get what you mean. uh yeah. But he pulls it. Mm. He still pulls it off, though. Yeah, that's, the boy. Think... The boy pulls it off.
0: Yeah. I've got to. It's. I've, yeah, I've got to be honest. Like the, the longer this match went, I was just sort of like, okay, it's not too bad. I mean, like I can't really unsee it. Like literally, <laughs> literally it just looks as if you're wearing a fucking lampshade. But it's not as bad as a, a, a first thought. Um, I thought that I really quite like the start of this match. Um, like they're not like both men just sort of like very tentatively just sort of like feeling each other out and then they sort of like look as if they're going to lock up and then sort of like okada just, just like has this sort of like pulling back as if he's just sort of like somewhat nervous even though he's like incredibly experienced like this being like his seventh um seventh wrestle kingdom main event in like eight years and then like they, they do it again, but this time Ibushi has like a little bit of nervousness to him. I thought that was a nice little little touch, like right at the start. Um, I just, the next thing I have in my notes is Ibushi's roundhouse kicks are absolutely fucking deadly, and uh, there's the the benefits that you have for uh, for wearing kick, kick pads all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, Okada's lovely top rope elbow drop. Um, it, 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 it Okada's top rope elbow can sort of like hit and miss sometimes, like sometimes it can be like really flush and sometimes it can be a little bit shit. This was a flush moment, like it looked really, really darn good. Um, next thing I have in my notes, uh, Ibushi's attempt at Pele, reversing um, Okada's first attempt at the Rainmaker, <laughs> and he lands right on the top of his fucking head.
1: <laughs> like, picture in your head, uh, ladies and gentlemen... Uh Koto Ibushi essentially pile driving himself. <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> giving lot. himself a fucking with, with no one there to protect him. <laughs> um I hate the pile like it. Yeah. I hate it's, it. I'm just...
0: it's, it's a I Show mean, off I mean, I just I just looked at this oh it it, it makes it seem like I'm laughing at Koto Ibushi and I don't mean to, but like I looked at this spot and he fucking spikes himself. And I just remembered thinking, is there any wonder you've had fucking neck surgery before in the past, like major fucking neck surgery? Is it any fucking wonder? Um, it's anyway after this spot, um, they they, they somewhat recover, and Abushi is pretty much, but pretty much flawless for the for the rest of the match. Um, it's he there's a lovely uh catching double foot stomp, um, from Abushi, and Okada rolls to the outside, and so Abushi follows up with his golden triangle moonsault the outside which was fucking picture perfect um, and then the next thing I have in my notes because I, I didn't really have much um, t- t- didn't have that much to, to say up until this point but it's literally just before the call for 25 minutes Ibushi switches into this like Different gear. Oh, we saw this. Was it a real quest He
1: goes. He has this like stone faced dead expression on his face. Yeah, he he literally
0: he literally went into this sort of like Minoru Suzuki levels of sort of like, oh really, motherfucker, and he fucking lays into Okada. Yeah. He fucking lays into him like there's This like it, it and like <laughs> Red Shoes Uno, who's um or Umino who's the uh, who's the referee in this match. He literally like admonishes like Abushi like at least two or three times that he's like losing, using like a closed fist, and it's done in such a way that you could believe that he's actually punching Okada in the face. Oh yeah, and you can it, fucking it, hear it. You it, can hmm. hear the impact. Around some the
1: of it. the fans started booing as well.
0: Yeah, if you listen really closely, yeah, it was it was again fucking cool. It was f- really cool, and it's just sort of like. Jesus Christ, Kosa. It's like fucking calm it down, will you? <laughs> yeah, but it, it it added to
1: the story really. Yeah. Of him having to go to that place and to to be that person to get what he wants. Yeah. Which is, which is the heavyweight championship, mm. and and that was so cool to see because you think of Bush as this uh, this golden boy, this this or baby face, nice nice um, win. Yeah. Yeah, you know, do do the right thing and
0: take your vitamin C personal. and um, he, he can be he can be hard hitting, but he does it in sort of, sort of like such a baby face way that just, you just you know you're willing them on. So when, he's gonna
1: knock you unconscious, but he's yeah.
0: gonna take drive you to hospital and
1: stay by. He's gonna exactly do it in a lov-
0: He's gonna yeah. do it in a loving way. Yeah.
1: He's gonna hurt you in a loving way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this was just sort of like you know. No remorse, just being purely fucking vicious, and I was just sort of like, Jesus Christ! It's sort of like it, it took me back a little bit because I was just sort of like, I'm not used to seeing this from Kota Ibushi. This is, this is weird. like I like it in a way, but it was just sort of like, this isn't you, man. This is not you. Yeah, it, it, I think it did add to the story though, and it made yeah it really interesting. It did, definitely did. Um, so uh, there's a tombstone on the apron from Okada, which looks. Well, when they show the replay of it, it's 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 very safe. Like it is very borderline, given that it is Kota Ibushi and he is known for landing on his head and his neck. Um, but you know it's Okada delivering the move, so it's safe as houses. Um, the, Ibushi's um, Cesaro-like deadlift German suplex from the outside back in. Uh, I literally have it in my notes. I don't think there's any way of landing easy off of that. It's it's it's. It's a scary move. I remember seeing that the first I remember seeing that the first time I watched Kosura Ibushi in a match with Shinsuke Nakamura when they did that spot and I was just sort of like, Oh my god, he's dead. It's not a case of no. No. <laughs> no, no, Please, no, no. No, no, no 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 No
1: No 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 Yeah, it's a case of Stop. Get some help. That's <laughs> <No>, <laughs> that's it's that in it. Yeah. It's just say, uh, Oh god, that looks like it's gonna hurt Ah, but oh no, I like get hurt yeah. It, it it stops being a show at that point, and you start genuinely being concerned for people. Yeah. But again, they want to do this to themselves. <laughs> yeah. I don't think everyone who coaches Ibushi comes. <laughs> I I read a very funny because I did some research on this, but uh, in, in this match particularly, and I, I read somewhere that uh, believe it. Oh, hang on a minute. Believe it or not, it, it was a triple threat match between Koschecko Okada. Uh, Kota Ibushi versus Kota Ibushi's neck. <laughs> 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 and that really, really made me laugh. Because I don't think anyone backstage who's had a match with Ibushi comes up to him and goes, okay, we want to do this spot where you look like you die and yeah. break your neck. I genuinely <laughs> think he goes up to, like the pile drive you just mentioned, I genuinely think if Okada does it so nicely and so safely, Ibushi's going, no, can you actually like hurt me, please, and drop me on my head? <laughs> No, I don't want you to do it safely. Drop me on my head, and the card is there going. No, no, mate, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, and Ibushi's
0: <laughs> going. Oh, please, please break my neck, please, please. <laughs> Ibushi's like, hey, I get uh, so many, I get so many bumps on my uh, on my neck bump card before I have to go back in for another surgery. So it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. He's I'll got be... some
1: kind of reward card system at the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> or something. Well, every, every knife break, neck, neck surgery, get a tenth free or <laughs> like that. Like you get a Costa, you know, a free coffee. He wants his free surgery. Surge, I'm having, God, I'm having an attack up here. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: wants
1: his free surgery. Uh,
0: so oh. as we get into the later stages of the match, um, Ibushi with a fucking roundhouse kick to the face of Okada and then hits a Kamagoye for a close two. Goes for a second one, this time without the knee pads. Um, but that's counted into a great big massive drop kick from Okada, which was amazing to see because, like, o- Ibushi's got um, got both of Okada's hands to set up for the Kamigoye, and Okada still manages to fucking leap up this great big massive vertical leap for the drop kick, which is really fucking cool. Um, there's another, I, t- I had in my notes, another stiff exchange in the middle of the ring, which I'm pretty sure surmounted with um, Ibushi roundhouse kicking Okada in the face again. Um, eventually, Okada turns the tide, goes for a missile drop kick off the top rope. It's countered in mid-air into a sit-out powerbomb by Ibushi, which looked fucking cool. Um, straight off of that, Abushi goes for a phoenix splash, it's missed. Uh, Okada um, hits a discus rainmaker, and then a proper rainmaker with the ripcord in it and gets that for a close two. There's a couple of short-arm rainmakers, goes for a proper one. That's counted into another roundhouse kick to the face. Um Ibushi uh, channels his inner Kenny Omega, hits a V-trigger, goes for another Kamigoye, and that's counted into a spinning tombstone, a-, a sit-out tombstone, sorry. And then uh, one final proper rainmaker, and Okada gets the win, booking his place in the main event for Night two in 39 minutes 16. This match was fucking awesome. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. fucking great. <laughs> surprise, it, surprise! A match between Okada and Ibushi It's fucking awesome. But it's it's easy for us to
1: sit sit here and say it was fucking awesome. But what else? Do, we didn't expect anything less from these two guys. No. This the, you see these two guys on the card. You think. This is going to be fucking awesome, and then you're not, and and you still come out with the same. Oh my god, that was fucking awesome, even though you knew it was going to be fucking awesome at the start, Mm -hmm. even though you're prepared for it to be good. It doesn't dumb down. It it doesn't dumb it down at all. Yeah. And if it, you know, these two, these two guys are top of the game, top of the game. Um, and you know it's going to be good, Mm -hmm. and then you're not, and by the end of it, it's amazing how. They can turn what was already going to be a good match into a great match. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's and it's also natural. I love this Kota Ibushi, um turning into like he's got a dark side. I, I can't. There's got to be a cartoon somewhere where we've where we've got it. <laughs> <laughs> like you, like Yu Gi Yu Gi Oh and Yu Gi Oh where he uses the, the um. The pyramid thing that he has on his shirt, and he turns into this big, freaking, massive, really cool person. He, he turned. I love that dead mm. expression. That, like, I'm okay. You done fucked up, buddy. That yeah. sort of thing. It, it so it adds to his character as well. And, it, and like you said, it's fucking cool. Yeah. That's some and also, very interesting point. It got him booed by the fans. Mm. He's like, yeah favorite child golden child in terms Mm -hmm. of japanese wrestling booing him isn't you you don't do them things no you don't do them things no but this gets him booed it adds to his already amazing character it -hmm. gives him something to do in in a match and i think if he does if it happens more and it goes deeper and it gets darker and he starts doing more heel things it's it'll lead to that heavyweight championship that he's craving at the minute
0: mm-hmm. yeah definitely um so yeah not only was this an awesome match but the result of this match means that we are set up for a main event of kazuchika Okada versus tetsuya naito uh in the main event for night two which is not a bad thing given uh our past experiences and uh yeah pretty much the end of the show just sees uh, Okada and Naito posing in the ring with both belts. That's the focus for the main event of the next show, and something that I'm very, very much looking forward to. Mm. Um, so what were your thoughts of uh Night One of Wrestle Kingdom 14 as a whole, mate? It very,
1: very, very good show. Um, obviously some mm-hmm. of the match, matches were set up matches for the the second, uh, second night, second show. Um. But you don't mind. I didn't mind. Even though I knew that, mm-hmm. and it sometimes felt like that, I didn't mind because they were really, really, really uh, good good, good matches. Uh, very nostalgic, obviously, with Liger and everything that's going on. Um, not only does it do night one really well, it sets up night two for... You're hungry for night two. You're really hungry for night two at the end of this. mm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, as as you say, there's, there's there's nothing really much I can I can contribute to because it was it was not only a really good show in terms of professional wrestling, but it also sets up night night two really well. Um, you know, there's the likes of you know the the, the, the stuff we've got a lot, got to look forward to: Okada, Naito, we've already talked about Zack Saber, Sonada. That's that sounds like a fucking great match. Um, Goto and Kenta sounds like a really great fucking match. Um, and we know that Moxley and Juice Robinson are gonna have another match again. Sounds fucking awesome. Um, and the, there is sort of like a, another dream match that is on the card of Hiroshi Tanahashi and Chris Jericho to look forward to, which is, you know, another standout marquee match to look forward to for night two. Um, so yeah, overall, really darn good show. Really darn good show. And as I say, we don't really know how night two is gonna gonna go, but as a show it's uh highly recommended highly recommended yeah. as pretty much any wrestle kingdom show in the past five or six years has been really um yeah and yeah that is the uh that is our review of night one of wrestle kingdom 14 and uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks time uh hopefully uh, To all <laughs> all things considered uh for night two of Rest Kingdom fourteen as I say with the matches that we've gone through already and uh also yeah just 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 hopes of uh hopes of a really darn good uh another good show to uh cap off the one that we've just uh watched. Um so we are going to plug time man. If you've got anything to plug go ahead uh um, personally no, no i'm joking uh,
1: follow me on instagram at the real not Daz. follow me on tiktok i am at the annoying husband where i annoy, uh watch me uh do funny clips of me uh annoying my wife um that the the poor woman god bless her soul um uh, I,
0: back... I saw one that you posted up on your facebook one it, it was um you turn on the light switch and the caption just being oh there's I forgot I forgot that the wife said she was working on the electrics today and you can just hear it, like a scream effect in the background
1: <laughs> yeah this is what this is what my life and what she has to put up with with me away from the chaos that this like, <laughs> he being on these podcasts and doing this is um go back and listen to everything else we've ever done because it really yeah. is quite. Go back and listen to the NWA one where we have a massive. Me and Bunkle have a massive argument and it's fucking hilarious. Even uh, because he was wrong, firstly, and I was <laughs> right. That's why it was really funny in the first place. Um, L Hitler, yeah. We talk about L Hitler. Go again. Just go back and listen, and then listen to this. It's amazing.
0: There's, a, there's L Hitler. We also bury uh, Medusa and Melina in hilarious. Well, Anthony buries Medusa and Melina in hilarious fashion
1: yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I don't really need much help with that one. Then, to be honest, ladies, you're burying yourselves, and I'm just saying what you're doing. So you see, so you see, right? So you see, eh, eh, eh? Pissed on you, Mister Chips, there, eh, haven't you? Right? Go listen to the Phoenix Pod as well, guys. Go listen. To the, on that note, listen to the fucking Phoenix Pod.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make mention of both. So yeah, if you have enjoyed this edition, um, we have done like previous editions, like as far back as, uh. Like two months ago, probably. I think so. Anyway, uh, let's see. How many have we done so far? We've done Dream Supercard, we've done two NWA. So this is the fifth one. So we've done four, done four, four other iterations. Um, two two other New Japan shows and two NWA NWA shows. Um, not only involved like really good wrestling, but hilarity ensued as well on there uh, on a lot of them. Um. You can find uh, that back catalogue of uh, episodes as well as um, back catalogue of like all um, episodes from the Lost Art of Wrestling. Obviously, we are sort of like a branch off of Lost Art of Wrestling here at Lost Art of Wrestlebox. Um, just basically on um, yeah, just search Lost Art of Wrestling on Facebook, Twitter, and make sure you followed, um, you subscribed, and all the relevant podcast feeds like Stitcher, Spreaker, Apple Music, Um, SoundCloud, Um, Castbox, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasting um podcasting lights, we're probably on there. Um I'm featured as well on the Phoenix pod, uh courtesy of Lost Art of Podcasting, which is this um this podcast sort of like long lost brother from another mother. Um, just make sure you're following their uh, Lost Art of Podcasting on all social media and podcasting sites. And I'm also featured as well on another Good Friends podcast of RAD Live. Um, random ass discussion. We just basically go on there with a couple of topics each and we just shoot the shit for about two, two and a half hours. Um, so make sure you follow RAD Live on Facebook, on Twitter and all your relevant um, podcasting sites as well. Um, I'm also... Also, I'm possibly going to be going into the art of um, game streaming um, because I'm part of a gaming Discord group. Um, and I'm, I'm considering... Well, considering... I'm pretty much in the works of putting together sort of like a Twitch streaming channel um, where I'm just going to be playing... Um, load of really really cool games um on my hit list first is i'm going to be making my way through the remastered collection of the yakuza series um which is known for featuring well particularly in um the sixth game is known for featuring um a lot of new japan pro wrestlers which is a really really cool uh really really cool sort of like ingratiating way of just sort of like getting into not only Japanese wrestling but Japanese suit uh Japanese games as well I don't know where I was going with that um so make sure that you follow on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash loggers109 and uh I'll probably be setting that up in the coming weeks or so um yeah so make sure you followed for there uh click the uh the notification bell so you know where I'm going live Um, Anthony, once again, always a pleasure, mate. Thanks very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Love it. (laughs) Love it, love it, love it. Um, So until next time, I have been the stowaway, Lewis Holton.
1: And I've been the real, not Daz Anthony Dark.
0: And we'll see you next time for night two of Wrestle Kingdom 14.
1: See you guys.